Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Ruben! Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version. With four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney+. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode number 174. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my son, Chris Raygun. Chris, how is your health? Uh, you know. It, it's there, I guess, like when it needs yeah. to be, you know, <laughs> but, you know, I, I uh, I'm sick because my girlfriend got sick and uh, you can't avoid that. And then you made out and you, and you got. Yeah. No, I mean, how, how could you? Yeah. You know, I thought about interface? like kicking her out in the rain. I was just like, go walk the fuck home. Get out of here. <laughs> but, you know, go on now, some, get. yeah, but I thought like that might be like that might not go over, over well. <laughs> no, Mm-mm. you know, but you can't kick her out in the rain. Nah. Well, I'm glad you're well. I'm glad it's not COVID. I'm glad we were hypothesizing on text could it be aids could it be uh, i you thought maybe it could be sids i was like well, <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> now we have a lot of new questions yeah yeah uh, it, it was like it could have been like a really slow acting sids right you know like you got but, sids but yeah there's like some sort of time draw wherein it's only resonating <laughs> now in reality yeah the shake throughout time the infant shake throughout time infantile <laughs> shake. well chris welcome glad you're well we didn't know if we were gonna be able to do the show with you so it's good to see your glowing face and of course dustin Furman, executive producer of last stand and co-host of sacred symbols how goes your life it's going well 
it's uh, I'm wearing rocking a hoodie today. It's finally like nice hoodie, uh, cool weather. But I am Definitely. realizing something, Colin, and I'm maybe you realize this as well. Maybe Chris, I don't know. Every year I'm old, I get older. The more I realize I'm becoming more and more like my dad. Oh, yeah. And the, the big thing this year, and I've done this in previous years, but I think I'm going to make it, is that I'm trying to not turn on the heat to our house until November 1st. And uh, let me tell you, it's getting it's getting down to the wire here. This morning, mm-hmm. I think it was like 59 in the house. Yeah, <laughs> but, I think uh, you got you to probably kick it on at some point, right? We're so close, Colin. You are Monday. close. You are Monday. Close. I can do it. We can hang in. Holly is down for this challenge. So, so far, so good. I think we can do it. I mean, if I'm... If I'm dead uh, in the next few days, you'll know why. It's because I died of uh, hypothermia. Hopefully yeah, there's yeah, no snow. <laughs> yeah, I, the weather here in Virginia has been, it's actually like the last couple of days has been cold, but it's the first time it's been at all cold, which is a little weird. It's starting a little late, get a little bit of rain, et cetera. But mm. all right, well, we'll see how that goes. That is very fatherly. I appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, welcome one, welcome all to our show, Sacred Symbols, our weekly PlayStation podcast. You can get it three days early and ad-free by supporting us over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Media. Like, more than 12,000 of you do, and we are the biggest games-related Patreon of all time, thanks to you. So come support us over there. You get early ad-free access to the show, the ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas to our show. Uh, you can get your name in the credits, and so on and so forth. But a key little thing you get over there as well is Sacred Symbols Plus twice a week. Only for patrons. Typically, sometimes we rec- we put them up later on YouTube, but they're always up first for patrons. We recently did an episode about AI, which was really fun. Uh, I, I sat down with someone from Samsung's Moscow-based AI learning space to talk about the future of video game AI. We had Micah on, our new coordinator, my girlfriend, but our new coordinator to get to know her better because she's going to start popping up on podcasts soon. We had an interview, as I said, with the lead programmer of Techland. We did an episode about Gran Turismo 7. We did an, an episode about the legality and morality of emulating games. We did an episode with uh, Q Games, which was really fun. The Pixel Junk people and the Tomorrow Children people. That one's now, public ha- now. That, you're right. That one just went public. By the way, our live show from September is also live for everyone on YouTube. You can go check that out. Thank you so much for joining us there. The hundreds of you that came and we're going to start rolling out our spoiler cast slash review discussions soon in earnest. I think we have to figure out what we're going to do, but I'd like to start getting these out once a week or maybe once every three episodes until the end of the year. So Deathloop, Kenna, Far Cry, etc. Now for this, we're going to start bringing in a different group of people like Mike is going to come in for Tales. We might have Eric Kane on for Far Cry and Kenna might have Hogan for something like Deathloop. Just to try to get through all of these games. And before anyone gets upset, no, I will not be on all of these podcasts. So please don't cry about it. There's no time for crying. <laughs> and I don't want to hear it. All right, let's see. Is there anything else that we need to talk about before we get into this? There are a few corrections, a few notes. Let's just get into it in earnest. Jeff Cazares wrote in and said, what's up, guys? In relation to last week's topic on the Resident Evil 4 VR censorship and PlayStation doing it, I just wanted to let you all know that I was going to upload a video to Twitter using the PS5 UI the other day, and it didn't let me because the text had the word shit in it. The sentence was going to be, Juliana ain't got shit on me from Deathloop. Because I shot, I one-shot killed the other online player that invaded me, and it was a hype moment. With those guardrails set by Sony, I'm pretty sure PSVR will probably get the Oculus RE4 VR version. The RE4 remake will probably have none of the, all of that either. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've been seeing this, that there has been more weirdness with PS5 sharing things that are not toward. Usually they would just stop you from sharing like spoilers. Yeah. But so I, I hear you. 
I'm not confident we're going to get. I'm confident we're going to get Resident Evil 4 on VR, PSVR. I'm See? not confident. Huh? Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think Oculus paid for that, though. They might have, but yeah. But I'm, I'm, but I'm saying these timed ports always migrate, right? Mm. I wouldn't be surprised at all if this came to PSVR too. Personally, you know, it could be, you know, Sony pays for a lot of things too. Sony paid for Kenna, yeah, which mm. we'll talk about in a little while. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling kind of sad about that because Capcom, I don't even know what who they're responding to, and obviously Sony has their own agenda as well, but. Anthony C. wrote in, Chris, we have to confront you. He says, hello, Colin and the boys. I saw on Twitter that, oh, I'm sorry, no. He says, hello, Colin and sons. We're getting ahead of ourselves. This question is for Chris. Why are you in such denial about your fish and spider fetish? Oh, my God. Colin, ask Chris what this is all about. Maybe he can try to explain himself better this time. Your son needs to accept himself for who he is. We won't judge you. We just want you to be honest with yourself. <laughs> what is that all about? So, you, you uh, Shuan Head and I... Uh, she, you know Shu, right? You know June. I do. She tweets some, like, ridiculous shit sometimes, and she tweeted about this fish from Finding Nemo, voiced by Willem Dafoe, and she was like, can we agree the fish is hot? And I was like, no, it's a fish. And we had, like, we decided to, like, uh, we DM'd a little bit, and we decided to have, like, a, a stupid little play debate, you know, like, just because, yeah, I thought it'd be light and fun and stupid. Mm. And we were just arguing about whether or not the fish is hot or whether or not it's like just the performance from Willem Dafoe. And that was my argument. It's just you you're attracted to the sound of Willem Dafoe's performance, not the fucking fish. Right. You know, and then somebody and they were bringing up like different like, oh, what do you what do you think about this? What do you think about Lola Bunny? And I was like, I never I never understood that. She's a rabbit and it's gross. But somebody brought up the spider from uh oh my god what movie is that the, it's a is movie it that i always no 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 it's it's like a movie that i always think is like a fever dream in my head until somebody re- reminds me that it's real james and the giant peach oh the, there's okay. like a, a spider voiced by i think susan sarandon it's like oh what about this goth spider and i was thinking about it, it's like yeah that's a that's a good performance and it's like it is one of those things where it's like yeah that's kind of an attractive performance it's like susan sarandon doing a french accent like i get it but the spider isn't hot it's not the spider. Like, I don't understand why people can't understand this. It's so baffling. All but then right, there are well, people who are out there who are like, you know, I don't know. There's, I'm not going to judge people, but I also will, you know, personally. Well, I've, like I've been clicking clacking away here trying to find, because I thought for sure I'd find. I'm a little scared that I searched for it, because who knows the FBI is going to knock on my door now. But uh, I, I searched for sexual attraction to fish, assuming that some sort of philia would come up right but there is nothing no of I'm, course I'm not how because how could there be yeah that's true you know I remember that, that listening, photo i remember <laughs> i remember oh, listening a long time to howard stern this was probably like 20 years ago and a guy called in who was claiming that he had a sexual sexual attraction to dogs and it was like this i don't know if people remember this was a famous stern thing and it went on and on but it wasn't that he was having sex with dogs it's that they just aroused him or that's what he claimed and God. this is the kind of shit that i was thinking about yeah as yeah. we were having this conversation uh this is a horrible well, conversation just, Please don't fuck the fish. Yeah, don't do that. Also, like, there's th- this photo that Colin occasionally sends to me of this fish with human teeth that, like, only yeah. further further cements, like, how I've <laughs> always felt about them. Listen, they just I hate belong. that goddamn thing. Oh. <laughs> it's, you sure love sending it, though. I know. I need fish to torture fuckers, someone else. Stand down. Stand down. <laughs> stand down. <laughs> All right. Awesome-o 
55 wrote in and said, hi, Colin and the boys. I saw on Twitter that Colin is going to keep his Twitter strictly business related now due to increase in parasocial behavior. I've noticed that other Internet entertainers are doing the same thing. Could you elaborate more on what we as an audience can do to reduce parasocial behavior? Well, it's funny because I brought up this word. And then when I was reading Chris's Twitter account later, he had actually used the same term earlier that day, which I thought was really interesting. So having kind of similar experiences, maybe. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you guys about this because. I'm feeling pretty comfortable right now with the declaration that I've made. I kind of this happens to me a lot, actually, in my life where I just immediately I'm like, no. And then that's the end. Like, I'll just like there's like no indication that something is going to happen. And then it's like, no, I'm good now. And I think I had that realization with Twitter last week. And just to kind of give everyone a little bit of a story. And I say this because I know Chris and he don't get along. Chris doesn't like him. But my friend Dave Rubin, who's a political commentator, Mm -hmm sold his company to rumble the new kind of youtube competitor which is awesome that's a big deal yeah and uh so i congratulated him no political stuff or anything like that i understand he's a political character but dave's a friend of mine i don't even really know what dave's politics are anymore i don't talk to him about politics Mm -hmm. but i felt like it brought out so much weird venom and what i've looked at is parasocial behavior right that and i know you express something recently about your relationship back in the day mm-hmm. and feeling a similar thing and it made me feel like people are way too comfortable thinking they can tell me or what i need to do what i need to say what i need to feel and moreover use my platform as a way to insult people i care about or insult whatever or be mean or be more toxic or whatever and I kind of just realized this. It wasn't like a real big thing because I've, I've had way worse interactions on Twitter. But that day I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm done. Yeah. And I, I just I think Twitter has great utility as an RSS feed, but it's easy enough not to use. It's easy enough not to post. I feel like it expresses some sort of weakness in me that I wasn't able to do this before. Right. And I think people are too. I don't want to say too open. I think it's great to be open about your problems, but Twitter addiction or let's say Twitter toxicity or Twitter acceptance, let's say, I think has seeped into people in such a way that they're flaunting what is almost this universally negative thing about their experience in life, which is this stupid thing, this stupid program. And that minor interaction just brought out in me like, you know what? I don't want to use this anymore. It's not what it used to be. It's not fun anymore. Everyone like politics we were talking about recently with fanboys like they're the worst now that everything sucks on Twitter. I hate it. <laughs> it's terrible. And, and so I just was like, you know what? I deleted the message said I, I talked to Dave privately, so I, I don't feel that bad about it. But I deleted the. I don't want to I don't want Dave to come to my congratulations and then see like people insulting him. It's like, no, totally. Yeah, it's like I, I do that on your own time. Do that in your own space. It's almost like Twitter allows this parasocial shit in which people think they can gleam onto your life in meaningful ways it, it it enhances that more than any other app i think and i like being interactive with the fans i like having conversations i've become personal friends with fans over you know certain fans over the years mm-hmm. um i lived with a, what, a person who started out as a fan mike mitchell when i was at ign for years so it's not that i have i want to keep people at, at arm's length it's just that i don't want people bad actors taking advantage of my platform our platform the things we try to do or say to get their own messages out there. And I just realized, you know what? The easiest way to do that is to just not use Twitter. Yeah. And 
So moving forward, I'm just going to be posting links to content and using Twitter as an RSS feed. I won't be looking at my mentions. I won't be getting into it with people. Not that I really have been. I think people are kind of locked in with me on Twitter to like 2012, Colin, where I was like really crazy. <laughs> it's been a long time. I was actually looking at my Twitter statistics because they track all of that stuff in the analytics. And my Twitter use the last few years has actually been at an all time low and just getting lower. So I don't think this will be a huge thing, but I just wanted people to know that that's just I'm not going to be there anymore, except for for content, just to remind you that content is going to be there. You can find us one of the great perks on Patreon. And we have, I think, what, 4000 people over there now is Discord. And I'm there all the time and I'll be there much more now interacting and, and doing things. And that will be where you can find me. Of course, also DM me on Patreon if you need anything. I'll also be interacting over there. But I just wanted people to know, like, I'm I'm just not I'm not doing it anymore. It's just it's it's even when you try to use it positively, even when you try to have a good day, even when you try to say something someone's always there to cut you down someone's always there to second guess you or to what what if or actually or whatever and i'm like that's fine but why am i doing this to myself yeah so i've been i've been pontificating chris i'm just curious what you think of, of that if you have anything else to say because i no. i noticed with with um you know i don't want to open up your the can of worms with your ex-girlfriend who's a friend of mine too yeah, yeah but i know that you guys really struggled with that with people think like kind of thinking they're they have the right almost to inject themselves right and it's and it sucks and it makes it more complicated yeah um, yeah it's 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 weird when uh when something that's usually like for 99 percent of people is like more is a very personal interpersonal thing becomes like a weird symbol for people you know it's like it's a very weird time like it was much easier for for her i think because she she'd you know she'd been very famous for a long time but this is very new to me, like the idea of like having a relationship and having like thousands, hundreds of thousands of people care about that, like in a, in a way that they would like have really strong opinions. I've never had somebody have an opinion about, you know what I mean? Like about like my relation. That was a very weird thing. And I totally get it. It's like there's a, a lot of uh, parasocial behavior that I think Twitter like capitalizes on. I think it's almost algorithmically designed to do so. Mm. Uh, and... It is unfortunate that, like, the few times that there are positive uses, it's usually just, it always inevitably just kind of falls into this weird, <laughs> cynical, uh, like, whirlwind. Like, I remember, like, being tagged in something, like, a couple of weeks ago by, like, a friend of mine. And I remember, like, uh, I remember being kind of surprised because I was like, oh, I'm surprised that somebody in that sphere would tag me like knowing that like people might have like this assumption or that assumption and like i go in and most people are positive but there's like all sure enough there are these like weirdos who are like why are you associated with this person and it's like dude fucking i'm friends with these people it's it's really weird when strangers think they know more about people than their friends do and the fact that that's even possible for people to actually think is like a huge failure on the part of our on the part of our like social media platforms and on the, on the part of our, the way that we structured our internet, like that it's that, such yeah. a failure of human will <laughs> that that is even I, remotely possible. Well said. And that's exactly that last part. It is. It's a failure. I'm a pretty willful person. I'm pretty disciplined. Yeah. I'm actually, I think, I don't think it's discipline. I actually think I'm really OCD. So that's why I work out every day. That's why I like, I do what I need to do. Like I get everything done, but I think maybe that also feeds into the negative aspects of, social media and i don't think it's that big of a deal like instagram i like instagram but i actually forget it exists i i, I have no yeah, problem me too. using instagram 
Facebook, I don't use at all anymore, except for last stand. Like, I just fucking hate Facebook. So this is kind of the last vestige for me until I go to Discord and have a more personal thing. But I just want to let people know and kind of just get people's opinions. Dustin, I want you to sound off if you'd like as well. But to me, I just it's a reminder of a few things. It's okay for you, in my opinion, to have a Venn diagram, a very complicated Venn diagram in which you, you know people that like people that you don't like, that you know people and care about people that agree, that think things that you don't agree with, that all of those different things. And a good example, not to, I don't want to like bring him back up, but you know, my friend Dave, who Chris doesn't like and Chris knows personally, I like yeah. and I know personally, that doesn't come up with us. It doesn't no, I, I have never, I have never once been like, hey, man. No, exactly. And and it annoyed me because people bring it up once in a while. And I'm like, but don't you understand that Chris and I are friends and know each other and it doesn't matter to us? You don't know us at all. And you don't know Dave. So you have no idea what like why anyone doesn't like each other or what is going on there. And it just bothered me because I'm like, you know what? Chris is respectful enough to know that Dave is my friend. So Chris knows that he, he, he keep those thoughts in his own sphere or say what he needs to say outside of that knowing that yeah. it might hurt someone else involved. I mean, it's just it's just a cognizant thing. And I right. feel like people are just I was saying to someone recently, I think the thing that really is setting me off is just watching people celebrate death on Twitter. And I think that was one of the things, too, where I was like, you know what? This is fucking crazy. You know, Colin Powell dies. Rush Limbaugh dies. Some contentious person. And I'm like, can't you just feel however you want about these people? I don't care. Yeah. But yeah. Would you are you do you really feel like you need to be so ghoulish and dark like we can joke about the death of rush limbaugh but you have to really celebrate i'm sure people love him and care about him i'm not saying fans I'm yeah sure. yeah you know what i mean it's like to I, me I, i'm just like I, this is too much for me it, much. it is it is a little like uncomfortable i think the main thing that bothers me about that stuff is that they're not even around to like not defend themselves because they don't really care about that it's more or less that you're kind of trying to hurt a person who can't be hurt anymore so all that's left are like the innocent people in their lives who might have cared, you know, and then like right. the, like the oh, this contentious person who by and large sucks a great deal has probably has like kids who just like, you know, like, ah, you know, it's my fucking dad, you know, and like they got to read all this shit and like that guy's not around for it. So it's it seems like a completely like misallocated use of anger. Like, it's just like, hey, listen, feel how you feel about it. I didn't shed a tear at all, but I'm not out there like throwing a party. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fucking right. No, that's exactly right. Like, I, we all it is. It's and, and it thinks it makes me think about me, too, where I'm like, man, I don't want to see what people. Are gonna, well, I won't. But when I die one day, you know, it's going to be pretty harsh out there probably for me, even though I don't know why. But Dustin, do you have anything to add to this before we move on from this conversation? Not too much. My I mean, my experience is so different than you guys as just from a, a follower level perspective. So if anyone wants to come follow me at Dustin Can Fly, you can join me in this slow moving like a car on ice towards off a bridge into depression, mental illness, whatever. Uh, you can be a part of that by following me on Twitter and I can be in the exact same spot as Colin and Chris. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think... One of the things that happened to Twitter that I think made it worse, even though at the time it made it seem better, was opening up the word count. It became way mm. too sophisticated. I became a fucking expert at using all 160 characters. I write everything I need and then I would delete and delete and delete until I got it down. And I think that it just opened. It became more than what I think it was intended to, to be. And it has become a tool of venom, vile behavior, psychopathy. 
and just general meanness. And I know people think I'm a brash person, but I'm not a mean person. I don't think anyone that actually knows me would ever say that about me. So that kind of stuff does does not vibe and does not compute. And I just wanted people to know, hear it from me, from my own mouth, why it happens. You will only hear me on Discord, on Patreon, and on our content. And I actually think that that's for the best because it allows me to say what I need to say. And I'll still, I'm going to tweet out everything that I'm on, guest appearance stuff. I'll make sure that's all out there. But the other thing I have to say, and Chris, I'm sure you know this, especially although Dustin, I'm sure as a content creator, you're learning this too is that even from a pro, uh, promotional standpoint, Twitter is really useless. I mean, it, it doesn't drive any traffic compared oh, to, yeah. to like it. it I, I can see what is driven from Twitter and it's not much. So even if I didn't post anything at all, I don't think this company would suffer. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. T- but twi- I, I know people want to know that I'm reminded that I'm alive and all of that, you know? Yeah, that's pretty much all. That, that's all Twitter is. It's just like a heart monitor. <laughs> it's just like, just like, hey, you, you're still there. It's like, yeah, he posted yesterday. It's like, oh, good. He, he, his heart beat it at least once in the last 24 hours. Cool. Like every time I post something on, when I post a video on Twitter, I, I just put out a video like, I, like when the, when we started recording today, and uh, it's when I post on Twitter, it's like I know it's not gonna like draw a huge amount of traffic. It's literally just so my friends who are also content creators might also might see it and they might like, Oh, right. Hey, look, he posted, you know, because YouTube's right. not going to tell them. <laughs> no, of course you not. Know. Why would it? Nah, of course not. <sighs> okay. I also wanted to say something really quick. A few people were writing in about this. I was making fun of Kit Harrington's height. I wasn't making fun of it. I was were noting you? it. I was noting it that he yeah. was small. That was a shorter guy. I'm not making fun of it. I should be clear. I was noting it, but a lot of people were saying like, well, your two co-hosts are are not the tallest people in the world. Aren't they insulted? And I, I want to be really clear, and I'm not even being facetious. I wasn't making fun of him being 5'7". I was making fun of Jon Snow being 5'7". Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was what I was making fun of. It's no. okay <laughs> if you're 5'7". So, because I, I know I'm six feet tall. So I know that I have, like, height advantage, right, in, in, in a world that likes height. But I've never been one of those people that is... I feel bad that that's even a, rele- a, rele- a relative or a relevant thing. And I know that with Chris, especially, you know, he makes fun of it and, and owns it himself, you know, his shorter stature. But I just wanted to be clear because people are like, aren't they insulted? And I'm like, I'm not making fun of short people. I'm making fun of Jon Snow being five foot seven because it's funny. Yeah, it's don't you it's, understand that that's funny that he is five seven. He's he is like the the, the king in the north, the king of the north. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's i don't remember i don't remember interpreting it that way you know i'm like sure I, you I, didn't but <laughs> other people interpreted you interpreting it that way that's very well, weird here's something funny about that colin is that i did notice that when we were posting pictures from the the live event mm-hmm. uh a lot of people just could not resist saying something and i thought <laughs> legit i am i don't know i guess it sound no matter what this sounds defensive but i really am not I've never felt self-conscious about my height. I'm more annoyed when I'm like at a concert and I can't see. Mm. That's when I hate my height. I don't feel like less of a man or anything like that. But speaking of Twitter again and uh, slowly making us ill, uh, I thought to some of these people, I'm like, you guys should be glad that that Chris and I aren't like very self-conscious about this because some of you are being really rude. Like, yeah, it's it's mean. It's weird. I was like, like, someone else, it might have been more of it like actually hurt their feelings like (laughs) now i've been mean on twitter no doubt to people in the past oh yeah but you have to set you i mean i'm laser focused on this mostly because i'm self-conscious of my own looks i don't (sighs) say anything about anyone's looks ever like never never been a thing 
I, I was made fun of as a kid for my looks. I was made fun of for having a big head. I was being whatever the case might be like, <laughs> I don't go. I don't. It hurts. And I don't go, you know, people and I don't go there. You know, I have yeah. no problem insulting what people say or do. That's different. Right. But like your God given looks or whatever, I'm not going to do that. So I just wanted to be clear about that. We like our our sons just the way they are. And remember, if you if you want to know that I also feel small in my own life, because even though I'm well above average height, my dad is six three. So I've Ooh. always felt like a tiny man compared to him. And my brother, yeah. Dagan, who you guys met, is like five eight. So I'm I'm taller than Dagan. So oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I don't know. Like, I think it's uh, I, I didn't even I don't know if I saw any of the the. Or maybe I didn't register any of the comments on the on the photos of us, but I, I guess I assumed <laughs> that that would happen, <laughs> but well, I, didn't, I didn't look. We but. probably should have thought about it when we took those photos a little different because you and I are in the center. So the, it, it's like a U shape. Yeah, it's like a U. Of heads. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we maybe maybe should have done that it, a little it, differently, it, but it's it's not whatever. the most aesthetic uh, looking <laughs> photo, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's the, the comment about, like, Kit Harrington. Like, I, I feel like it's no different than the comment we made about, like, um, oh, my God, uh, Tom Holland as uh, Nathan Drake. It's just, like, Tom Holland's a good actor, and he's great as, like, Spider-Man and Peter Parker. But he's not Nathan Drake, you know? Like, and it's, these are just, like, it's not, it has nothing to do with the fact that, like, being short is, like, a fucking bad thing. It's just, it doesn't fit this. Like, I, they, right. like if 343 was, if 343 Industries came to me and, like, hey, Chris, we're going to have you play Master Chief in Halo. I'm like, I'm five foot four. Do not give me that opportunity. <laughs> you, uh, you're an idiot. <laughs> he's, like, I think he's, like, seven feet tall or something. It's like, you're, you're out of your mind. If you, like, I don't know. It's, it's a very weird thing. All right. Couple more things to get through here before we get into some, you know, one-off game news. Get into what we're playing. Then get into yeah. the news. A lot of things to talk about this week. Well, I guess we have to bring these two things up here. Sure. Robert Takawa wrote in and said, "Greetings, Jens Colin. Last week you spoke about brushing your teeth in the shower. The concept is foreign to me. I have so many questions and need to know more. At what point during the shower process do you brush? At the beginning, at the end, do you brush while the water is running? Is it scalding hot, lukewarm? Do you store your paraphernalia in the shower? Lastly." What make you, made you break from the practice of brushing your teeth at the sink? So I want to be clear. I still brush my teeth at the sink also. It's just that. So I think I got this from my dad, who I think got it from when he was in the Air Force. And then he does it. And then I think it just kind of trickled through some various family members. But what I do is, is I turn the shower on so it gets hot. We have a his and her shower in my master bathroom. I don't know why. I've been you in have it. have that? Yeah, you have been in it. That's true. And... Uh, <laughs> So like two people can take a shower at the same we've time. So if you, ever, if, you, if you saw, yeah, we've been in it together because we recorded a video in there, but <laughs> a, a pornographic video. <laughs> but I just turn the water on, you know, get undressed and then put the toothpaste on the thing. And then I get in and I let the water hit me and I just brush my teeth. That's all I do. And then when I'm done, I sometimes throw the toothbrush over this over and try to hit, get it back into the sink and just like see if it lands. And then other times I just put it on top of the, the thing, the door. Yeah, and I can grab it from the other side. So it's, it's not as complicated as you think. And I was really pleased to hear from many a folk who are trying and who are giving it a go and seeing what they, it does for them. Although someone wrote in about his wife overhearing it and having a negative experience doing it. But my insistence is you don't pick up a paintbrush and become, you know, Leonardo da Vinci overnight. You can't just start doing something like this and thinking you're going to just get it. You got to you got to do it. You got to repeat. And so on and so on and so on until you understand how it's done. That's it. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Aaron Merrick wrote in and said, hey, CDC. Not a question, but a comment. I really want to commend Chris for his latest video breaking down the Halo Infinite test flight. His analysis was so deep and astute. It should be the envy of any games media professional. Chris has consistently improved as a video game commentator and analyst since the inception of Sacred Symbols, and his Halo video feels like the culmination of that growth. I think Chris briefly mentioned his video on the last episode of Sacred Symbols, but in my opinion, it deserves a special mention. Seriously, if you haven't watched it, go find it on YouTube. I thought this was a nice compliment and just another reminder that we bring up every once in a while that I really do think you've come into your own and are doing a great job. But why did anyone doubt me that I didn't know how to find the perfect co-host for the show? (laughs) It really does make me wonder sometimes. Yeah. What do you guys think I'm doing all day? Not very much, but I do know how to find a good co-host, and I knew that Chris would settle into that. So how's that? How's uh, that co- content going as as far as your non-sacred symbols related stuff? Oh no, I, it's it's good. I, re- I really appreciate the the mention because I'm I'm pretty proud of that video. I think it's uh, I, I I it really was more of an excuse for me to go out and like film some stuff because I haven't really used any of like my camera knowledge lately because I've just been stuck inside and like the pandemic especially like made working with other people and like collaborating really hard so I've just kind of gotten into this like mode of just sort of like just recording a video in my own house which I find kind of boring so to do something like that where it was like a little bit more cinematic and also still kind of super detailed I I got a lot of comments on that video being like I don't even care about Halo but this is a really good video and like they watched the whole thing I was like that's sick I love that so Excellent. If I can do that, that's that's great. I I, well, I really appreciate it. But I watched it. It was very yeah. very good. And yeah. little appearance by uh, Dustin and Colin at the end. I was like, look, mom, I oh, made I... it in a Chris Raygun video. <laughs> wow, <laughs> dang, that's right. Now, when there's highs, there are highs, and so we must balance things out as yin and yang with the lows. Mm-hmm. Jace McCarver wrote in and said, Dustin, forgot to write in last week, but for the love of God, don't try bringing patrons into the Aldi cut. It's not the same, and you know better. I'll never forget a past girlfriend having his bro- her brother go get Dr. Pepper for me when I was coming to meet their family, and he came back with Dr. Dazzle. <laughs> that store is an embarrassment, and you damn well know it. 
Nine times out of 10, the off-brand doesn't taste right. Someone needed to set you straight. Don't screw up your potential kids <laughs> with this mindset either. This is all set out of love. All these sucks. Have a great day. Dustin, respond. Listen, here's the thing. Aldi, not everything is 100%. Like any store or any product, and I will agree, I stay away from the Aldi-branded beverages. But that's fine for me because I don't keep pop in my house very often, right? Like, I just that's not something I... Uh, get and if I do I'm going down to like I don't know a gas station picking up a, a two liter or whatever so no listen Jace quit being an elitist you know Aldi is supreme and you know Dr. Dazzle he didn't do anything to you let him practice medicine um, and create his fine drinks it's it's not an issue and this is again I maybe I'm becoming a broken record with this statement but the comments got my back. So, Jace, know your place and stand down. Wow. What else can you say about that? Holy <laughs> Dr. Shit. Dazzle. Dr. I know. Dazzle. Can I just that say something? Good. <laughs> there, there has been, there was like some sort of image of all the different doc, like Dr. Pepper spinoff names, which are really funny if people can go find that. But I just want to say something about Dr. Pepper real quick. It's mm. horrible. No. And why don't you just go drink Robitussin or something like that? Like why, <laughs> why don't you just go get all the Robitussin and drink that instead? Dr. Yeah. Pepper's horrible. You are factually wrong uh, about that. Dr. Pepper is fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely great. And let me say, Dr. Pepper fans definitely stand down. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa, Chris, you're in agreement with this. Uh, well, I, I think Dr. Pepper is horrible. Wow. But I also, but, but, but I also think Coke and Pepsi are garbage as well. I, I don't like, say, I, I, I don't that. like soda at all. Like soda yeah. to me is like, mm. not, it's like the most unhealthy thing for you and it sucks. Mm. So like, I don't, I don't understand. Like I, I remember having it for the first time when I was a kid and I was like used to juice and all these like really flavorful things. And I'm like, wow, flavor. And then I drank a soda for the first time and I immediately I burped and my nose hurt and I thought, nah. This is not my there's my body saying like this is not natural this is not okay should probably stand like immune system stand down get away from this wow you got to get away from this so I I'm feeling like the odd man out more and more recently this is just um I'm fine with it you know I'm I'm going to be my own person here but Dr Pepper is a fantastic beverage and I don't know I just don't know if I can stand for this you know what I remember of Dr. Pepper most from? There was a Spider-Man toy from the first movie where like Peter's like in his like uh, in his normal clothes and he like yeah. webs the Dr. Pepper off the shelf. They made that scene into a fucking toy. I bet you could find it if you Google like Peter Parker Dr. Pepper toy or something. Wow. <laughs> it's very weird. I have to see this now. Yeah, go look it up. Well, okay, wait. There's a commercial. Oh my god. Um, dude, the product placement uh, okay, I'm not finding it instantly, but I'm sure I I must find this. I'm I'll I'll, I'll I'm look around for it while while we while we go through the rest of the the document here. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's a good use of your time. All right, <laughs> all right. Let's get into some things here. I wanted to ask you guys about this Ubisoft Far Cry Six thing. So, Video Game Chronicles, our friends over there, wrote a story, and a lot of people are noting this that basically what's and what's happening is that Far Cry or Ubisoft is emailing, I guess, people that have connected their games to their Uplay accounts in some way. I don't know if you're forced to do that in this one, but 
it says like so a person got an email and says hola rojas i wanted to thank you for giving me free reign in yara take it easy and know that yara is in capable hands sign el presidente and it says surely you can do better than this and it says three hours time played like a a sort of insult to the player now i'm i i'm perplexed by this i don't think it's a bad idea i think people are like ups, some people are upset about this i actually think it's kind of cool it just it's i'm more confused about like why because what do they care if you play it once you own it unless they want to get those stats boosted obviously they want better telemetry and all of that but dustin let's start with you what did you think when you saw these going around i know that certain other companies publishers developers whatever have done things like this in fact i think even playstation they can see that like a first party game is played on your account and they'll send you an email that's related or whatever uh the approach of the the taunt of you haven't played this game in a little bit is definitely an interesting angle on it. I don't really have a problem with it. In fact, I think that this mostly stems from the fact that people have been not so hot on Far Cry 6 overall. And so the fact that it's like, yeah, come play our game that's exactly like the last three. Like, what's wrong with you? I, I can understand that being maybe a little ironic but i don't have a problem with it either chris i saw you were a little more uh, emotive about it what do, what do you think yeah the <laughs> i don't know this this whole thing is like a little weird just because it feels like look video games are fun they're obviously meant to like engage you well you know, sometimes <laughs> i'm told they're not yeah <laughs> from twitter <laughs> they're, they're meant to like they're they're meant to maximize your engagement even before like social media like the whole idea was that like you know they were fun to spend your time on and you, they you know they wanted you to spend a lot of time playing them even if they didn't necessarily benefit them like immediately and like they didn't have like data tracking or or like DLC or like any of that shit to really like take advantage of that anyway it was still like kind of the point and the the thing though with this email is just like it's a little it's a little desperate when it comes from like a single player game, like if you got an email in like 1999 being like, I Calypso really wants you to get back into Twisted Metal. You'd be like, the fuck? what is this? This is so weird. Like, <laughs> let me like live my life. What do you mean? It's a, it's a single player open world Ubisoft game that's already probably like, I don't know. I haven't played Far Cry 6, but I imagine it's pretty bloated, you know? Just because oh, sure. Ubisoft games sure typically is. are, so like, what the fuck? Let let the let let people take breaks for Christ's sake. Just seems a little try hard to me. Dustin, I want to ask you about this. The story's making the rounds, although I think it will only matter to people like yourself, JRPG fans, the weebs. But it's a big deal nonetheless. Shoji Meguro has left Atlas. He joined the developer in the mid '90s. Of course, Persona One. Came out in what, 1999 or something like that? 1990? No, it was 1996. I don't know what it was. But he has been the composer of all of these games since, as long, in addition to the Shen Megami Tensei spinoff games. He did Catherine, which is a favorite of mine with an awesome soundtrack. I'm curious what you make of this, if anything. Yeah, it's, uh, it initially feels disappointing just because then the initial question is like, well, what about the music for Persona games? I mean, the the music is just, uh, it's one of the most iconic aspects of that series. Um, and like, man, it's just so good. They're, each one is so 
defined and clear in its vision on what they want to sound like. And he's just a real uh, extreme talent at Atlas, uh, providing just an, an, an immense uh, asset to them. That that music, I think, is huge. But the, the good news is, at least from uh, what he stated in this like Games Industry Biz article, is that he's going to continue to maintain a relationship with Atlas. So... His plan is to continue working with them. And what I would imagine would be the case is that he'll continue to do those big games like Persona 6 or if they do another big Catherine style spinoff. They're working on Project ReFantasy right now, and I believe that he's composing for that as well. But so I think when it comes to the big main Atlas titles, I wouldn't expect anything different. In fact, this is just a chance for him to do that work and then instead of maybe working on smaller stuff for Atlas in between that he can do other big games as well, or, you know, maybe something totally different. He's such a talent when it comes to composing music, he can really do whatever he wants. So overall though, uh, wish him well, he's fantastic. And I still, I regularly listen to the persona soundtracks and it's all because he's just, uh, so good. Now, is he a Japanese war crimes denier? Like the guy that died for that, the dragon mm. <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> it's definitely possible, uh, uh, but yeah, probably let's not, let's not. not put that on him, probably. No, no, probably not. By the way, I just wanted to note the first, I was right, the first Persona game, because I was like, it did come out before Final Fantasy VII, and it, it did. It came to the PS1 in 1996. It's called Revelations. I have never played that game. I do remember it coming out, but I was in, what was I in? Seventh grade, I want to say, when that game came out, and I had no idea what the fuck was going on, and it. it was just nothing interesting to me. I somehow I played almost every role playing game that came to PS1 of any consequence. And for some reason, I just totally didn't play Persona games. OK, I also wanted to bring up real quick. Ars Technica, the website, did a little bit of um, legwork here and have confirmed that. God of War coming to PC January. Uh, 2022 not being done internally at Sony Santa Monica, not a huge surprise there, but a port studio in Canada called Jetpack Interactive is doing the port. And that's just a piece of news people might not want to just insert into their brains for a working knowledge of PlayStation. But Christopher J. Brennan wrote in and said, Greetings Center for Disease Control. With the recent news that the God of War PC port is being handled by Jetpack Interactive and the earlier revelation that Iron Galaxy is doing the Uncharted PC port. Iron Galaxy, of course, an American studio. A question keeps popping into my head. Why exactly did Sony acquire Nixus? Anyway, good day, gents. Well, you just answered your own question. They don't want to contract studios to do this work for them. And they certainly don't want their internal teams to do it. So they have got Nixus so they don't have to go pay, you know, Jetpack Interactive and Iron Galaxy to do this stuff in the future. And the only thing I was thinking of is that these contract companies are probably bummed because no matter how good of a job they do on these ports, it's not going to matter because they are not going to get any more work. Yeah. So I think Nixus is now going to be working on stuff moving forward. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Nothing else to really say, Christopher. I think that that is the reason, though, when you have Iron Galaxy being paid a sum of money, you have uh, now Jetpack Interactive being paid a sum of money. Why not pay no one and have a studio that does it instead? That, by the way, is an expert at doing this. No offense to these studios, particularly Jetpack Interactive, which is much smaller than Iron Galaxy, but neither of them are at the quality of Nix's as far as the Porthouse is concerned, which had a long-running relationship, of course, with Square Enix. I also wanted to note for anyone looking forward to that eFootball update, you guys might remember that Pez, Pro Evolution Soccer, turned into eFootball, which is Konami's now free-to-play offering for FIFA or not for FIFA to compete with FIFA 
they were going to get a new version of the game out that dealt with a lot of the things. And as Chris was saying, we were laughing like the ball, the way that ball physics, like there's just everything is broken with the game. <laughs> yeah. But they've delayed this improvement patch until November. So just letting everyone know to be patient for that. But with everything upside down now with EA and FIFA's relationship, it seems like they're going to go their separate ways. This is a huge time for Konami to get this right. And I actually think that that is probably the reason uh, why they're delaying it, because they're like, we need to be more deliberate than ever now. Now we might have a chance to break this monopoly um, at a time where EA might lose the name. And I don't think it's going to affect EA's game, but it might affect its sales. And so we'll see how that all goes. Chris, I wanted to throw something back to you about something going on at Blizzard with BlizzCon. Mm -hmm. It's a blog post posted over there. And they say in part, quote, we've decided to take a step back and pause on planning the previously announced BlizzCon online event scheduled for early next year. This was a tough decision for all of us to make, but it's the right one. Any BlizzCon event takes every single one of us to make happen an entire company effort fueled by our desire to share what we create with the company, or I'm sorry, the community we care about so much. At this time, we feel the energy it would take to put on a show like this is best directed towards supporting our teams and progressing development of our games and experiences, end quote. They go on to say that they're going to, quote unquote, reimagine what BlizzCon looks like. BlizzCon's first, I think the first BlizzCon was 2005 or 2004. Something so like it's going to go away. I'm just wondering what you think about this. Uh, this is an old show. I mean, other than E3, um, GDC and a few others, this is certainly like the oldest and most established show in, in games. Yeah. I mean, it's a big deal, but I, I don't really see. I this is this does not surprise me. I mean, Blizzard is in a, a very precarious situation optically right now. And, and I don't think. I, I can't imagine them going forward and, and just going on and making or going forward with a traditional BlizzCon and expecting everybody to just kind of it would be the most elephant in the room kind of event in the in the entire gaming industry. I think like even this is so much worse than like E3 doing the whole like the ESA, like uh the, the leaks of all the. Uh, games media <laughs> addresses and numbers right, and, right. That, and that was bad and even that i can imagine like oh they could have another e3 next year and people would be excited to go and people would go and it'd be fine it'd be fun nobody would be thinking about that really but this is like one of those weird situations where like they had a whole public thing where they they changed mccree's name to cole cassidy and and you know it, they can't hide from the public perception of them right now and they've kind of had blunder after blunder even, even when you go back to uh don't y'all have phones? You know, like things like that. It's just like, it's just this BlizzCon seems to be this place where things just go wrong. And I think you just sort of need, especially with what's happening at the company now, you need some distance. You need at least a year off. Figure out how you're going to come back in a way that doesn't feel a little bit, a little bit like you're just sort of sweeping things under the rug. So I'm not surprised by this. It doesn't affect me at all. I never... I've never been to BlizzCon. I went to a BlizzCon after party the year I moved to LA, actually. But oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. But I was I was drunk as hell. I don't remember what the hell happened. So yeah, they. <laughs> that's what they had a build of Starcraft ghosts there, but you forgot. Yeah, probably. <laughs> now, I'm curious, uh, Dustin, what you have to say about this, if anything. I think Chris is totally right, and I think one of the things that contributed to this too is that you guys might recall that one of the emblematic moments of this time is actually a video clip from blizzcon in which a woman asks the panel at world of warcraft about female characters wearing skimpy clothing or whatever 
it's not like this thing that's got me totally aghast and and you know knocked over, bowled over, but it's certainly one of the things people were circulating and it comes from that environment. So I think that that might have something to do with it too. And I, I think Chris is totally right. Like no one wants to celebrate BlizzCon. I actually think the blog post kind of tacitly says that themselves. Like we don't even think we should be talking about our games really. So do you have anything to add, Dustin? It's clear that Blizzard, Blizzard's trouble goes beyond optics at this point, at least to me. Mm -hmm. They recently released Diablo 2, which I think some people were into, but overall didn't make that big of a splash. Overwatch 2 is coming, and from my perspective, there is very little hype behind this game, which was the original was absolutely huge. Big, big game that uh, I didn't win game of the year even at Game Awards. It was anyway. No one seems to really be that excited about Overwatch 2. Again, from my perspective, if you are fantastic. Jesus, did Overwatch win game of the year that year? That's horrible. I'm looking at it. I think it did. Yeah, uh, at the Game Awards 2016. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. You have World of Warcraft. 2016 it won that? Are you kidding? Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that? Damn. World of Warcraft is in absolute free fall right now losing subscribers left and right to games like Final Fantasy 14. And the only thing that I think that sh- is showing some promise is the new Diablo, which was announced a while ago at this point, and it seems to be just a trickle of information. So it goes beyond op- optics. This company is clearly having major issues with its products. And so, yeah, it's maybe better to just hold off uh, and really, which they said they're still making other announcements despite not having BlizzCon. Honestly, I feel like they just need to to just hold out for a little bit. Let those, the, I don't want to say let the storm blow over, but I mean, that's actually what's going to happen is that people are mad, maybe rightfully so, maybe not. Uh, we'll see what happens in the legal area and then people will forget because, and whether that's right or wrong, I'm not making that judgment call. People will on the internet. This is what happens. Someone's mad. Someone did something. There's a time where people are angry. And then when Diablo 4 comes out, everyone's going to be pumped about it. Unless it's, you know, terrible. But I think that most people will have moved on at that point. Yeah. So mm-hmm. either way, they they clearly have a lot of issues beyond op- optics. I cannot believe it won Game of the Year in 2016. <laughs> I'm, 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 that's Dark Souls 3, Titanfall 2. That, that's insane. I'm pretty. I, it must. It must have won. Inside came out in 2016. I think as well. Yeah, inside like a ton, a ton of like real. Like it's not like a great year, but like definitely like. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's that's not. Yeah, I I agree. That's yeah. crazy. 2016 isn't a good year, but there's a few things that yeah do come to mind for that. Doom now. Oh yeah, Doom. Mm. There you go. I lose my mind. And Ratchet and Clank 2016 also came out in 2016. So. Let's set us further into a Blizzard-induced rage because Polygon is reporting that Activision Blizzard is going to rename Vicarious Visions, its Albany-based, Albany, New York-based studio, to Activision Blizzard or Blizzard Albany. And the the studio was told this and that they're basically just going to be absorbed by Blizzard. Now, this is happening at a time where um, we've known that the studios are folding and all of this, but and and Activision streamlining things. But I found it especially peculiar because Vicarious Visions did Diablo Two Resurrected, which is pretty well received, and they obviously did Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two. So I just wanted to note that as well. But they're they were best known for Skylanders, so a good vibe at Vicarious Visions. Should that be true? James Schubert wrote in with something really quick. 
He says, hey, CCD, my question, have Sony shit in the collective cereal bowl of Wipeout fans? I've played Wipeout Rush now for a couple of days, and it's nothing more than a very average mobile game with some vaguely similar skins. There's no real management mechanic to the game other than to rank up ships and fire once weapons. You then just choose which of these options to use before and which when to fire the weapon during said race. There's nothing tying the game to your PlayStation account or PlayStation at all or Sony for that matter. You have to read the small print to even know who made the game. So what's the point of burning this IP in the mobile space when this could be any generic ship racer and efforts for balance? Some of the ships in comic art style look fine and some of the music is as you would expect from Wipeout. Other than this, this is a shit show. How long before this is killed and covered up? Appreciate you guys doing the work you do. I wanted to bring that up just because we are trying to get them on the show for Sacred Symbols Plus. Dustin, do you have any updates on that? Because you were speaking to them, but I haven't heard anything. Basically, what the problem is, I don't mind saying it, is is that they really can't. We we assumed by going to them directly, they would talk to us about the game directly because Sony seems content on ignoring it. But as Sony PR is obnoxious, they, of course, have final say on this as well. And so we think that once they get word that we want to talk about this game, they're just going to cut that out. But our hope is, is that we're able to talk further about the game, because I really feel like this is something worth de- delving into and figuring out what is going on here with this and why they're doing it. So no updates. There's no updates at this time. Um, and that's kind of what they told me is that they d- didn't know when they would have an update due to Sony PR. But this is, man, if I was uh, Rogue Games, I would be not pleased right now because here's the thing i didn't even know this game was out uh which i'm i was looking because it seems to be only out on android right now or wait no you can add to your wish list is it i'm just confused i didn't even know i don't this think game it's out, out i think he's saying yeah. he just might have gotten an, a chance to play it or got oh. some sort of beta or something i don't think he's i don't think the game's out interesting it could be if it did, if it is, it's a mystery to me. Well, but I just wanted I mean, to note that we are trying to f- do something on it. Right. Yeah. Um, I, we'd love to do that. Like I said, we, we're in contact, but it's... Uh, I know Matt Casamassina personally. Yeah. Matt Casamassina was the person that first offered me a job at IGN when I was 19, and I turned it down to go back to college. He and I go way back. I, I can have a great interview with him. He's the guy that runs Rogue Games. But we have to just get that permission to do it. I'm sure they'd be happy to do it. I just, I just know now why we're not hearing back. Okay. By the way, I totally forgot to say this at the top, but we'll say it now and um, we'll keep promoting it. But we have new merch. I totally forgot to say this at the top and we should say it now, but we'll continue to push it and we'll remind you guys because we know that you want a new run of merch and we've been working quietly on getting that out. You know how I am. I don't like teasing things. I like rather saying like, oh, here it is. (laughs) You know, that that's fun to me. Yeah. As long as you can have the patience to do so. So we have new T-shirts, new sweatshirts and all that. Dustin, do you want to go into what we have? It's all at laststandmedia.shop and it's all made in the USA. Right. We've got two really fun shirts that I'm really excited about for you guys to see. I'll just let you. I don't want to describe them. Just go to the website, see them. And then one of the biggest uh, pieces of feedback we got from our initial run of merch is that some people, first of all, they didn't like the text on the arm, which I disagree, but that's okay. Uh, and the other thing was they wanted something a little more quiet, a little less loud than a giant Sacred Symbols logo. So we have new hoodies that just have a smaller logo in the kind of like this. If you're on video right now on YouTube, like this PlayStation hoodie, it's not a zip up, but uh, just a much smaller logo. It still has the design in the hood and it does not have the text on the arm. So a much more low key hoodie that's available for Sacred Symbols and Defining Duke. 
And I think we also have a brand new uh, Last Stand branded hoodie that I'm really excited about. I'm actually going to order one of those as soon as I can because they look awesome. So cool. Yeah. Some new stuff just in time for Christmas for the holidays. And yeah, uh, yeah I will say, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised you don't want to tell people what one of them are. I mean, one of them is what I think will be a big seller for us, which is uh, Moriarty Raygun 2024. Yeah. Uh, which is like <laughs> really great uh, design. I think you guys will appreciate that as well, especially because you need us more than ever, don't you? <laughs> and as far as I understand, when that ticket wins, what Chris will do is resign as vice president and I will consolidate power into permanent presidency, lifetime presidency. <laughs> and uh, that'll be it. And then yeah. we'll make Chris, you know, we'll, we'll make him an ambassador somewhere. Yeah. The ambassador to the Seychelles Islands or whatever. I don't know. Whatever the Something hell. nice. All right, boys. Yesterday for when we were recording, a couple days ago for when this goes live on Patreon, there was a state of play and it is time mm-hmm. for us to go into it and talk about what we saw and what we thought about it. The state of play was, I don't know, 20 or 25 minutes long. And it's all third party related. A lot of people are really down on it. I think it was fine. I don't know what people are expecting. I don't see Sony raising expectations about this, so I don't know why people expected more than this. But before we get into the individual games, we can go through them one by one if we have anything to say about them. I'm just curious what you guys thought about it overall. Let's start with you, Chris. What did you think of the state of play? Yeah, I was uh, mesmerized by how little I thought about it. You you know, like, like I didn't even know that a state of play was happening. I was like, oh, wow, state of play, all right. And I knew that it was third party, which I thought was, you know, a little, all right, you know, fair enough. A little weird, but fair enough. They're setting expectations correctly, I think. And I, I still came out of it just feeling like, <laughs> like I didn't see the purpose, really. Like, it felt like this could have been a blog post or just a series of trailers just uploaded independently to PlayStation's... Um, playstation's youtube channel or something or twitter feeds or various social media outlets i feel like the only thing i saw that i was interested in was the thing that the was the only thing that i was previously aware of which was little devil inside which i think looks cool it looks like i i I dig the style of it i appreciate the tone that they're going for i I like i like visually striking things but everything else, man, like, I don't know, that weird multiplayer thing they started with and spent like a weird amount of time on and mm. and, and, yeah. and and that, that one about like the it's like a some indie pop band of some kind. Yeah, I want to talk. I want to talk about all these individually. We'll yeah, talk yeah. about that. Let's do it. But before we do any of that, Dustin, do you have any any overarching views on the show before we get into the individual games? All these shows are at their core just marketing we know that but we still get excited about them as if they are like entertaining content and that's that's fine and i think companies have different degrees of success uh particularly i mean nintendo does a good job usually not always but of weaving in stuff that feels like exciting announcements and marketing deals that they've made this state of play feels like uh, when Sony went to these games to exclu- uh, secure some kind of exclusive thing from it, a chip that they laid on the table was uh, presence in a state of play. And that's purely what this felt for the most part, is that this was just like, okay, well, we got marketing deals with this game, these games for, and we said we would put them in state of play. And I don't know, like, it's one of those, it's cool to see 
what kind of games are, are coming to the the platform. But at the same time, there is an element of is prestige, the right word to doing a stream, right? You are inviting the PlayStation audience saying we have something to say. Come at this time and watch it with us. Uh, I feel like that deserves some level of extra something a little bit more than what we got. But at this point, no one should have any expectations for these types of streams ever from this yeah, point on. Zero so, expectations is what I have. And then they're always met because <laughs> right. how can you not meet zero expectations? Okay, so let's go to these games one by one. We might not have anything to say about them, but um, I'll talk about them in order that they were shown. So the first game was Death First, Let It Die. This comes from the Japanese actually a jumpy entity we're going to talk about a little later in the show gung-ho interactive why or a gung-ho online rather who i'm not very happy with for a different reason but death first let it die seems like it is a smash tv game that meets anime and it's a multiplayer game coming to ps4 and ps5 in 2022 sometime in the spring i actually really dug the aesthetic of this game because it felt it kind of felt like parts of Final Fantasy 7 remake feel when you're at the Honeybee Inn, you know, with like the really eclectic characters and the dance number and all that kind of stuff, the real camp that they bring the bear there. This is not my kind of game, though. I'm not, I have no interest in playing it, but it's interesting to see Gung Ho kind of get involved. Dustin, what did you think about Death First Let It Die? I think it's weird that you would try to do Let It Die without uh, a Grasshopper manufacturer just because that seems to be. I don't know. Like it feels just strange trying to to do that just because those, I agree. it's such a and we'll talk about style. them later. We'll talk about yeah. grasshopper manufacturing. I didn't really yeah. feel anything from the trailer other than I thought that that was that that absence there felt strange. And Chris, this doesn't do anything for you, I assume. No, no, I, I like I. I I'm always a gameplay first kind of person, and I, I was trying to like analyze like from the footage that they showed like how this game feels to play and like you can't always do that with 100% certainty but I feel like in this one the clunkiness kind of really showed and I don't know if like I'm the only one who feels that way but it looked it just looked a little bit dated the way it the way players would move around and the way that like people would jump and like suspend in midair and then like fall down and I, I feel like a lot of the gameplay they showed was just kind of the same thing over and over again. Like, I didn't feel like I was seeing anything new to really hook me in case I wasn't interested in the last thing I saw. And a good gameplay trailer is supposed to kind of show you all of the possibilities that the player is going to be able to experience. Like, maybe not all of them for sure, but definitely more than what I saw. And I felt like, I felt like they stretched what they had a little bit too long. Like, the trailer felt too repetitive and too long uh, for what they had to show, which was, you know a standard third person kind of PvP type thing, I think. Maybe? I, I wasn't yeah, even that's sure. What, that's, what it, that's what it seemed. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the vibe I got, but I, I don't know. I can't say it uh looked too appealing to me. Uh, I will say I did, that I did like the visual uh, aesthetic of it. I, I did appreciate that's what I was gonna the, say like yeah. I, I like the idea of like uh of a game show. Yeah and and like smash tv like i like and like the, the violence and the destruction is to a purpose i think that's what makes hunger games such a haunting story too is because it's not just happening it's happening as like a as entertainment and so i think there could be a cool angle to that but certainly not for me and like i said we'll talk about gung-ho and grasshopper manufacturer later 
The next up is a game that Chris brought up already, but we are OFK. This seems like it's going to be a five episode episodic game about a band and they're in LA. I was re- researching them a little bit. They're an LA four piece. And I liked this trailer. Actually, I, this was something that it seemed like people were down on the most. And from my perspective, there were two interesting things about it. Maybe three. Number one is you're Sony. You know, people are going to make fun of this, right? You do it anyway. So I, I think that's interesting. Number two, I liked how they explicitly brought up in the in the conversation like, oh, we'll do another big game. We'll pretend politics aren't involved. Blah, blah, blah. It was it was funny and tongue in cheek. And I thought that that was cute. Yeah. But I actually dug the idea of this kind of cross pollination, cross media. Fusion of they really are going to release a record and the songs are going to premiere somehow in this game and it's going to be tied into getting to know the, the band and the product and. I don't know if it has any any hope of success, but it seems like Sony is investigating musical options, which I think is funny. Remember, in the last state of play, we saw that they were doing something, I think, with Kid A or OK Computer or something from mm-hmm. Radiohead. And that's a much bigger deal than this. But I, I don't know. I, I thought this was kind of cool. I have no idea what it's going to be, but I had no problem with it personally. Yeah, I think it's an interesting premise, but it, it it's kind of like, you know, Colin, if if they made like a if like 311 came out with like something like this, you know, you, you'd be all about it. Right. Of course. And like, yeah. if, if like rise against it, something I'd be like, Oh shit. Yeah. But like the thing about bands is like, you kind of have to already care, you know, like, and I can't say that I really cared about it. I did appreciate the, the tone of it. And when it opened up and it was like, war, war sucks. And I was like, I was getting excited. Cause I thought like, Oh, this reminds me of like, like like uh, the late aughts where you had like this kind of like uh, tongue in cheek, like middle market, like satire. Like, oh, I thought it was going to be something along the lines of like a Matt Hazard type deal mm. where it was just like, oh, are we in are we in for like a weird like parody thing? And then it it undercut itself a little bit because like, yeah, it was funny and I appreciated the tongue in cheek nature of it. But what they served me in in place of, you know generic video game they served instead they they, they kind of gave me this thing that i kind of had to be in on to really care about so i don't think it's a bad idea i think it's like a very niche thing and i think it could be very interesting i just don't think this really had any real chance of resonating with people that weren't already like familiar with that genre or that band or this type of um this type of content i hope it's i hope it's interesting and i hope it reviews well like that's that'd be cool as hell it'd be interesting to see like almost like interactive documentaries like that'd be sick right yeah but i think so too. i don't know I, I think they shouldn't have started in a way that made me and maybe it's my fault because i just kind of sort of projected what i assumed would would happen based on that like first couple lines of dialogue and it got me excited for something that like ultimately just didn't appear so I also feel like when when it started, because they say war, war, whatever, that's from Fallout specifically. Yeah. War, war never changes. And I thought it was maybe Sony making fun of Bethesda a little bit too, like I, like being comfortable being like, you know, we'll make fun of this a little bit, but I don't think that had anything to do with it either. But um, this comes out in 2022, PS4, PS5. Mm-hmm. Dustin, do you have anything you want to say about this? Yeah, I, I found that some of the jokes felt kind of cringy to me, but uh, that's just me. This I don't think this is one that I'm going to enjoy. I think what Chris said about being interested like if it's a a band having some of that preliminary interest is is part of it not always but like the radiohead thing 
hell yeah. I am very, very excited for that. But um But you yeah, know Radiohead. Right. Yeah. That's right. kind like, of the thing. That's like yeah. I remember if you, listen to, if you didn't know Radiohead, would you give a shit? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh definitely a big aspect of it. But who knows? Maybe this game will be cool. But overall, I it's one of those situations where I'm like, this doesn't look bad. It just doesn't look like something I would enjoy, is how I felt yeah, about it. That's kind of how I felt about it too. Well, I like seeing new things and we'll see how it, how it does. I was surprised because episodic games are going away. So that was the one literal production note that I would have about that. But we'll we'll wait and see. I think there are a couple of things we can just not even talk about here. Bug Snacks is getting free DLC called the Isle of Big Snacks for free in early 2022. No trophies, therefore no play. Fight five, <laughs> night at, five nights at Freddy's December 16th. I don't even care about well, I don't. There must be some sort of long-standing deal with them to get this thing in there every fucking state of play. And that's fine. I'm, I know it's big, but kind of tired of seeing it. The next game from there was Death Store. This one is soon on the horizon, November 23rd. And this is awesome because this comes from Acid Nerve. And I haven't even thought about these guys in a while. They're a British two-piece, um, a British two-person studio. And they made Titan Souls, which came to PS4 and Vita in 2015. And folks might remember that that was a one hit kill boss rush game and it was a really cool game and i really really dug that that game was really bad at it but loved the flavor of it was really excited to see this and people are talking very highly about this game dustin have you seen anything that you want to talk about here with that store oh death store i'm i'm really really excited to play that people have been playing it on xbox say it's fantastic and i love the this is a game like visually I'm really connected with the uh, overall style of it. So honestly, like the fact that it wasn't on PlayStation wasn't holding me back from playing it because I would have happily bought it on Xbox or PC. But um, since it's coming to PlayStation now, which is where I primarily play, I'm probably going to pick that up uh, pretty close to launch. Yeah, the game I'm, I was looking, I thought it was August, but yeah, it actually came out July, <clears throat> excuse me, July on Xbox One, Xbox Series X and PC. And November 23rd is the date here for that. Yeah. Uh, anything to say about this? Uh, Chris, did you play Titan Souls? I didn't play Titan Souls, but I, I did. I did play a little bit of of Death's Door. I, I can't remember when I feel like it, I feel like it was. Is this out on PC? Yeah, it's this, out on yes, PC as of right. this summer. So I think. I, yeah, I think I played it on PC a little bit earlier uh, this year and I didn't play a lot of it. But it, what I played of it was was really solid. Like it's it is a really like solid little game the, the art style of it is like really great i love the 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 um the tone that it has it's very up my alley uh gameplay is a little simplistic but i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing i actually think that's kind of a strength and yeah i, I would definitely recommend checking this this one out like it's it's a pretty cool striking little game okay next up was cart rider drift from nexon now, this is an interesting game because I, I as I was re researching, I thought this was announced for PlayStation already, but I don't think it was. I didn't. So I don't know if you know anything about this game. I, I went and did a little digging about this. Uh, first of all, it's coming to PS4, not PS5. It'll have a beta soon. It's free to play. It'll be available on PS4 in 2022. And it's on Xbox already. But going back, and I don't know if you guys know this, this game has actually been around for like 15 years. And is called Crazy Racing Kart Rider in Korea. And it's also like a big game in Taiwan, as we like to call real China. So <laughs> they're slowly migrating this brand as Nexon grows bigger and bigger. Nexon's becoming a massive 
international brand in, in gaming spaces, not in hardcore gaming spaces. But I was like, cool, kart racing is, is neat. And I have no problem seeing this there. It's not for me. But I'm really pulling for Nexon because they're one of the companies that is being very aggressive in consolidating. And I'd much rather companies get bought by them than by the Chinese conglomerates. Mm. I assume we have nothing to say about this game otherwise. No. Uh, no. No. I, I feel like I remember a story about this exact thing that we talked about on Sacred Symbols, though. I swear to God. I could swear too, but yeah. when I went and when I went and looked, it didn't have a PlayStation announcement. But I could have sworn we talked about it as well. But see, this is why we need a complete wiki for everything. Yeah. Which is we're working on, by the way. So that we can because like I maybe it's stupid, but I use the same document and just delete it and then put the new stuff in it over and over again. So I have no record. No, of it's like a really about. it's I mean, that's a pretty reasonable. Can you imagine if you had all those Google Docs? Jesus Christ. Like who would want to read them? You know? Yeah. Like, what, the like to what to what purpose? To what end? All right. Um, they showed King of Fighters 15 after this. We've been talking about this for a while. SNK game. February 17th on PS4 and PS5. Mid-November, they're going to run three separate betas with a bunch of different characters. I know King of Fighters is well-respected in, in fighting scene, in the fighting scene, but SNK is, I'm very skeptical of now that they're owned by the Saudi royal family. After that, they showed First Class Trouble from a Danish studio called Invisible Walls. It is a quote-unquote online social deduction game, so not unlike Among Us. Got kind of like a Hitman and Bioshock vibe in some way, too, which is kind of cool. I, I liked this game, at least what they showed. And what's cool, we'll talk about it later, it's going to be available immediately on PS Plus on both PS4 and PS5 beginning November 2nd of 2021. And it's about personoids, so-called personoids versus humans on a space station. Dustin, what did you think about this game? I'm very interested in these like social games like Among Us. I just don't want to play Among Us because I don't find the gameplay aspects of it very fun at all. The fun part is the social aspect. Everything else is not great. So I'm I'm interested in someone like, hey, let's actually make this a fun video game. This looked a little stiff uh, yeah. in a lot of places, but... That might be fine. That might not be a big deal at all. I'm super happy that it's a PlayStation Plus game. This is actually perfect because if you want to play it, you don't have to convince your friends to buy it with you. You can just download it as long as you have PlayStation Plus and check it out. So I feel like I will definitely check it out, uh, no doubt, since it's on there. Chris, what say you? Yeah, I think I'm of a similar mind. Uh, it, it reminded me of like early access, early, early, early access, We Happy Few. Uh, in the sense that, yeah. like, you could tell it's like, this is a pretty good idea, but it's super stiff looking, <laughs> you know? That's kind of uh, the uh, the emotion that I got when I was watching it. But it looks it looks interesting. I, I do appreciate these social these social multiplayer games. I, I played a little bit of Among Us. It's fun. It's, it's fine. It's definitely impressive that that game is as big as it is. Like, that, that studio is... That's pretty amazing, you know? But I don't know. I, I'll probably give this a shot, but I wouldn't be surprised if the day came where this was available on PlayStation Plus and I just kind of forgot, <laughs> you know, it doesn't it's not drawing my attention. But if I for, if I remember that it's out, then I'll probably I'll probably check it out and see what see what 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 it has to offer. But yeah, you know. it's it's interesting because um, that you brought up We Happy Few, because obviously compulsions that that game has Bioshock vibes. So yeah. there's something that ties all those together, but yeah, not for me. 
All right, the, the game I'm actually most interested in is next. Um, Star Ocean, the Divine Force from Tri-Ace. Now, Dustin, I assume Chris will have nothing to say about this, but Dustin, I'm really curious to hear what you think about this. Of course, Star Ocean is an old Super Famicom, actually a very late Super Famicom role-playing game. Never came out in the West. Came out in 1996 on Super Famicom, which was a year after PS1 had launched. But Star Ocean 2 and 3 were pretty well-respected PS1 Japanese role-playing games that got released second story, specifically in the West. That came in 1999, and there have been Star Ocean games since. And Tri-Ace, the Japanese studio, is best known for uh, Valkyrie Profile. They did that game Infinite Undiscovery, you might remember, on Xbox 360. They did the game Resonance of Fate, which kind of came and went back during the PS3 era. And they also were responsible, unfortunately, for Final Fantasy 13-2 and Final Fantasy 13-3. So they're an interesting team, and it's cool to see Star Ocean because in a in a gap of no new fantasy star, core fantasy star games, fusing traditional Japanese role-playing games with something very science fiction is just not something that happens very often. And so I, I do like seeing that. I'm very curious, Dustin, what you thought of this. Yeah, uh, interestingly enough, I've never played a Star Ocean game ever. So this looks, I mean, definitely up my, my alley. I, I'm really intrigued by, I'm looking at the blog post now, they're really emphasizing traversal as a big big part of this like characters flying around which is uh interesting but also could be very dicey just because a lot that's where a lot of games don't nail that necessarily but i'm i'm very very intrigued by this i'm curious about like the world like how much is this going to be like a a final fantasy where i don't need to know anything else is it going to be helpful to uh, As I remember, Star Ocean games are separate, I think. Right. But I could be wrong about that. They might actually be bundled in like really amorphous ways like Dragon Quest games are where they come in threes. You know? Oh, but, like you yeah. would never even know that. Like Dragon Quest comes in threes. And but that's not even important to know. Like that right. doesn't affect Did that affect your enjoyment or lack thereof of Dragon Quest 11. No, of course not. Right. But yeah, cool to see. Um, yeah, it kind of gave me. I don't know. Seeing the combat, I was like, this kind of has more of a Tales vibe to it. But I don't know. What did you, what did you think about it? Have you played Star Ocean games, Colin? I, I don't have. know if I've heard you uh, talk about Not all them. of them, but yeah, I have. And I haven't played the newest ones because they're not very well liked, like the right. PS3 ones. I think I might have played one of those. And they were on PSP, and that's where I last played them, as I recall. But yeah, Star Ocean is just, a, it's another of these B tier. I would say, I, I don't mean it even as an insult, but below that tier of Dragon Quest, Final Fantasy, Persona, all of that. And even Tales now, you have games like Breath of Fire and Sweek It In and all these games that just kind of pop around. And I, I always considered Star Ocean one of those, the, that IP. And then finally, they showed Neo Stream Interactive's very long in development game, Little Devil Inside. And as I think I said last week on the show, this game has been in development forever. It was announced in 2015 and it was supposed to come out in 2016. So now it's coming out in 2022. I have no idea how that happens unless you just restart the entire game, which might have happened. But it looks pretty, but I actually was a little befuddled by this trailer. I didn't really even know what it was showing me. Like, I watched it pretty intently, and I'm like, so what is this? Mm-hmm. I, I wish they stuck on, like, they'll show you an inventory or something, and they don't stick on it long enough for you to really get it. Or they'll show you, like, a mechanic or a point of view. And I understand you don't want to spoil things, but I... I don't know what this game is. I know people are really interested in it. They are specifically interested in it, of course, because it was at the PS5 reveal event. And that's why it has this intranet. It's like the witness in that regard, where it's like the witness became a big deal because it was there when they announced the console. And it's a 
a similar thing, I think, for this game. I don't know that it necessarily deserves the the uh, anticipation, but we'll see. Dustin, what did you think of? Uh, I'm sorry. Actually, I want to start with you, Chris. What did you think of Little Devil Inside? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel the same way about it, but I think that's uh, kind of what draws my interest is that I'm not quite sure what it is, but it doesn't look it's not that I don't know what it is in the sense that like, why are they making this? You know, or like, what the fuck is this mess? It's more like I'm curious about what I'm seeing. And what I'm seeing looks high quality. Uh, the the style and the art of it seems really, just really my speed. I appreciate the like the tone of it. There's something about it that's like making me want to know more about it. And the fact that I don't know exactly what it is, is kind of what's interesting. Um, it's almost like... Because I'm trying to look at games differently before launch now, whereas, like, I feel like before, like, I remember when Death Stranding came out, I was like, this fucking, what the fuck could this possibly be? Like, you know, who cares about this? And then it comes out and it's like one of the one of the most genre defining things that I've ever seen, you know, and or one of the most impressive uh, spectacles of the of the medium that I've ever encountered. And I don't think this is going to be like massive like that. But I think it, it if something is interesting to me just by the way it looks and sounds. And I don't get that No Man's Sky feeling, or I don't get that... Oh, there was another game that I felt a, a similar... A, that Anthem feeling in the back of my head where I'm like, is this really... Then that to me says, like, all right, there, there might be something here. So I'm, like, cautiously optimistic for it. Uh, but I'm in agreement with you where it's like, I have no idea what the fuck... <laughs> I have yeah, no I idea what th- it is. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was effective, personally. What what did you think, Dustin? Visually, this game, I mean, that's the aspect that struck me the most. I love, like, I'm looking at the, the trailer now, and that overworld map with the, like, the blurred bokeh effect looks really nice. It's almost like little miniature toys driving yeah. around. And even some of the, the close-up shots, I'm looking at a screenshot with them at a campfire. I love this look of uh, more cartoony characterized characters uh but with like a almost like a realistic looking camera that has that blurred effect is effect is really nice and also one thing i really liked about this trailer also is that the ui was very very clean Mm -hmm. specifically the image i'm looking at now guys it's on the playstation blog it shows them at a campfire it shows the inventory and it's all like line art like super super clean and I think that's awesome. I'm very like curious about how in depth this game is. And um, it's uh, it's definitely interesting, but I think Colin, I'm in agreement with you also at the same time where it's like, I don't really know what this game is. Like it, it looks very cool. Uh, I listed the reasons why I, I think it looks cool. But other than that, it's hard to get like excited about that, which maybe that's the atten- intended effect is just to intrigue you. To then go play it and experience it for yourself. Yeah, who knows? We'll find out more next year in 2022. Be very interested. Hopefully, this game gets postmortemed at one point so we can figure out what has taken so long. Because I don't know yeah. if it's that someone found found the game and saw something in it. And we're like, well, you got to do it right or whatever. It could be that, but man, they kickstarted I, this game in 2015. It's a crazy long development cycle. But I just, man, it just looks so nice. Like how definitely does definitely does. No doubt about it. All right. Well, that's the state of play. The most recent one. I don't think there's much more to say about it. We'll have more to say on these individual games as they arrive. 
Boys, let's get into what we're playing here. Um, Chris, let's start with you. You have a Switch game here as well as a PS5 game, so I'm interested to hear what you think of both of those. Yeah, yeah. So I'm playing Metroid Dread. Uh, I've been playing it for a while. I just like haven't really had much to say about it until now, where it's like, I really like these kinds of games, these like Metroidvania-style um, experiences. But I'm coming to grips with the fact that I think I'm just really terrible at these. I feel like I, I like I lose track of where I am so easily to the point where like no map can help me. No map is sufficient. No map is sufficient. You. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know if and it's it's hard because I can't tell if it's like. Is this like a poorly designed map or am I just an idiot? Mm. You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to like, am I getting worse at like remembering like what's to the left of me and what's to the right of me? Like, is my object permanence gone? <laughs> Almost <laughs> is what it feels like. And it sucks because like when I'm when I understand what I'm doing in that game, it's like really fun and like really cool. And like Samus moves like really, really effectively. And it's like fun to play. And like the 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 combat feels cool. And like the lockdown and like aim uh, mechanic feels like really fun and really well implemented and all the different abilities. Like, this is so fun. And then I get to this point where I'm like, I forget what I'm supposed to do. Because I've put it down for like a couple hours and then I come back to it and I'm like, wait, where was I? What was my objective? Can I see my objective? Oh, I can't. Huh? Ah. <laughs> and then I'm just like in this, and then I'm just daunted where I'm like, I, I guess, I guess I'll just put it down and never pick it up again. And that's kind of where I'm at unless I'd want to go through a walkthrough, but that feels like lazy, you know? So I'm just at a crossroads with Metroid Dread where it's like, I don't know. I think it's a bad game, by the way. I know some people are being like, ah, it's not, it's not uh, designed well enough or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true. I just, I think I'm just like getting worse at these. Like maybe I just can't keep that 2D map in my head as effectively as I used to be able to. Which is, hearing a lot of, in, I was going to say, I've been hearing a lot of interesting things about the game as far as like the, the difficulty, the finicky way the game, I think displays to some people. And it's, fun to read about it because i am such a student of metroidvania games that i they do need to stand out and be special at this point i think that this might be one of those games but yeah it's funny how they've this is not even that uncommon to be a game like this anymore which is kind of sad because it used to be that we would never get games like this so when they came it would be extra exciting but mm -hmm. that's what happens and then weird things happen like indies started doing a lot of stuff with like random generation and roguelike elements in Metroidvanias, which annoy me. Mm. That defeats the entire purpose of a Metroidvania. But I digress. Let's see here. Uh, oh, I want. I'm curious about Deathloop with you. Yeah. You, are you guys gonna do the spoiler cast? Is that the plan? Are you planning on beating Deathloop? So, man, I'm at a point with Deathloop where I'm getting so frustrated that it's tainting my perception of the game where like i remember i was i was running through it and i was like what am i i was trying to find like what it was i was supposed to do or like piece together like what the hell like all right this is the best run of this and i had this thought in my head where i was like <laughs> i'm expending all of this energy trying to just trying to figure out what i'm supposed to do and where i'm supposed to go at what hours of the day and i'm like this is more effort than I expend when I go through my fucking emails. You know what I mean? Like, like just like, and like responding to people who like 
probably should actually hear from me in like the real world and i'm like oh man i'm not having fun doing this like i just want to play the game right but then it won't let me do it and i don't know man i i, I don't know i i feel i feel weird about it because i tried to force myself through it like a couple nights ago and i i just hated it like i hate it which is wild because i really enjoyed it when i didn't force myself through it and when it was like a little bit more like reined in and was a little bit more focused but now that it's just like strewn about and it's like go here go wherever the fuck you want he's only available at fucking nighttime though and you gotta be careful about that and i'm like this is so cool but i'm not patient enough for this right and i thought i I was and that's really annoying because i would like to be you know i would like to have that patience but i don't know if i have it it's funny. That's the I way. I, that's kind of the way. I, that's the way I feel about it too. Like, I, I, there have been a couple times where I've sat down and been like, "All right, let's just do this," and then I just get annoyed really quickly with the text on the screen and with the fucking menus and yeah. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't. I'm trying, but I, it, it's not a huge surprise because the reality is, is Arcane never speaks to me. I would love for them to, but I didn't like Prey. I didn't like Dishonored. I wanted to like Dishonored. I wanted to like Prey. Clearly, a lot of people like these games. Yeah, yeah. But but it's just I agree with you. Deathloop is just a game. I'm just like, no, I, I it's just a game where I'm like, I'm not maybe one day I'll go back to it. But I've accepted that it's not what I was hoping for. And by the way, it's hard to tell what is going on with this. But the game is like already really cheap. So it's either bombing or Sony doesn't give a fuck about like because if I were Sony, I'd be like, let's make this thing as cheap as possible since it's going to go to our arch rival anyway we might and it's going to be free we might as well just sell this thing for nothing and just steal as many copies as possible because inevitably it'll be on game pass so i it's hard to tell if they're doing that or if the game isn't selling well because it doesn't look good i think the game's already like 30 or 40 bucks most places it was 70 in september so i think it was 60 oh 60 i'm sorry 60 it was 60 in september i saved you this time colin thank you god thank god thank god (laughs) <laughs> all right Dustin let's move on to you sure says you're playing the same two games you were playing last week do you have anything new to say about them no not really I've actually uh Colin you talked about ebbing and flowing with gaming I'm not away right now but I'm just finding right. myself really drawn towards tv right now yeah. I mentioned watching Sopranos just finished Midnight Mass I've been hearing game. I've been hearing Midnight Mass is a Colin show is this true there are definitely, I mean, the religious elements, uh, the horror plus religion. It's got those two things, which you very much like. I seem to be a big outlier that I did not really like it, especially in comparison to the director. I think it's Mike Flanagan. His uh, prior shows, Haunting of Hill House and Bly Manor, I like those way more than this one. But anyway, so I'm not playing as many games recently but when i am i'm playing i'm still i am still pretty consistent it's honestly kind of shocking to me how many hours i've been putting into death stranding i'm on the mountain still i'm building the zip lines up and down the mountain and it's been it's just so good every time i say the same thing every week that's why i'm gonna keep it short uh but i'm i'm absolutely loving it i'm also still playing inscription which is the card game that i talked about last week i saw some people tweeting that they were going to check it out based on my recommendation. So that's very cool to hear, but uh, I'm still, I, I think this game's incredible. I think this is one of the best indie releases of the year 
Uh, not for everybody, because not everyone's going to be intrigued by a card game, but there is just a lot of weird shit with this game, and it will take you in directions that you do not expect. So if you like that meta level to your games, uh, and you like card games, then this is absolutely one you must check out. Available right now only on PC, unfortunately. All right, for me, I've been playing one game and one game only, which is Metal Gear Solid 3. Uh, I'm playing it for knockback, so I'm going to save almost everything I have to say for it for that, unfortunately, for people mm. that want to hear more. But um, I had never played beyond the first hour or so of Metal Gear Solid 3. I just didn't like it when I played it uh, the first time. I will say, I don't think this is spoiling it. It came out in 2004, but I'm at the very end. I stopped because um, Micah's parents were actually here and... I was like, I'll play this, maybe sit down and play it. But then I'm like, oh, who knows how long this ending is going to be? Because I have to fight, you know, the boss or whatever. And and then who knows how long I'm going to be fucking sitting there. So I'm going to wait and probably do that tonight for when we're, when we're recording. But I will say this about the game. Two things. Number one, this is a 2004 game through and through. And what I mean by that is it has the same. It's so funny. It suffers from the same problem that San Andreas suffers from. They came out months apart, which is they both just are like, we're going to do all these things that are unnecessary now. Oh, you like Grand Theft Auto? You want to work out? Oh, you like Grand Theft Auto? You want to eat? You know, and so and and with Metal Gear, it's like, oh, you like Metal Gear? You want to perform surgery on yourself? Oh, you like Metal Gear? Um, <laughs> you like Metal Gear? Do you want flies to eat your rations? You know, and it's like, what? I I, I don't understand. So the one, the one, the, what I will say is that first of all, the game's villains are fucking dope. Yeah dope yeah the fury is like what my i want to get a fury like fucking cosplay outfit that guy the, the the fallen cosmonaut i mean that that guy is awesome but my in my instinct so here's what my instinct's going to tell, tell me now and i'm saying it right on the precipice of the ending so we're going to see how it goes i don't believe any of this actually happened and i don't know if that's the way the game ends don't tell me but the timeline doesn't make sense with the rest of the games if the game if it's you know solid snake or whatever and it is so weird in such substantial and obvious ways that i'm like it's gotta be fake right like so that's my feeling right now as i'm on the verge of beating it and we'll see i don't know what the this the, what it's what's gonna happen but if it is fake in some way then i'm gonna like it a lot more than if all of that really did happen because mm -hmm. my, my biggest the biggest thing that bothers me in the game is just why is everyone speaking English to each other? Everyone is speaking Russian the entire game. And I think it would have been way cooler with except for with each other on the codec. It would have been way cooler if everyone just spoke Russian. And that's another thing why I just, I'm like, no, I don't think this is really happening. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'll just plop that there and see, and see what, what, what occurs, but really we'll cool. Cold war alternate history the origins of metal gear like the metal gear itself yeah and all that so it's 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 super neat and it's origin character you know seeing where ocelot comes from and everything it's it's cool we'll have a lot to say about it on knockback but i will say that my instinct right now is is metal gear solid 2 has already always been a top 25 i would say game of mine i still would say that game is way better than this uh, and, and and that yeah. surprises me because I think people consider this one better. No, yeah, right? Metal Gear Solid Three is is the is the favorite, but the people that I've spoken to, and it's always been my feeling that like Metal Gear Solid Two is just so 
I don't know. There's something about it that's like really special and like really iconic. And the fact that like, because I I remember seeing that like I was like a really young kid when that game was out, and I remember my going over to my my mom's friend's house and like her son would be playing it on his PS2. I didn't have a PS2 yet. And I would just like see that oil rig and that oil rig was like burned into my brain. Like that map is so it's like uh synonymous with like video game level design to me. It's like so cool. And I agree. The, the, the bosses though, in Metal Gear Solid three are like amazing. Like they, they, they are, are really fantastic. They're cool. They don't spend any time on any of them, which is a bummer. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> But uh, like they just a couple of them just like I'm like I'm like have I even seen what I'm like about to fight one of them and I'm like have you even been in the game like I don't even know where you came from yeah who yeah. are you the, the, but <laughs> yeah they, they just sort of show up the, 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 they are better than you know a fat bomber and a <laughs> I love fat man but that's only because that was see I wish that they took the time fat man's really well developed compared to everyone that, you're right your solid three right so you're I right. wish that they just they were like you know. Even in Metal Gear Solid 1, Decoy Octopus, we technically meet that villain while he's decoyed as the president, I think. So you don't really ever get to know. There's a lot of cool stuff. And I appreciate that. Kojima, there's so many things where I'm like, this is fucking cool as hell, including being able to. Well, I don't even want to get into spoilers. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to save it now because I don't want to explicitly yeah. spoil it. But yeah, that's how I'm feeling right now. I'm sure people are probably laughing to themselves being like, oh, my God, you're so wrong about where this is going. And I'm, I'm like, that's fine. But that's just that's how I have to feel OK right now. OK. Uh, oh, I wanted to read this letter real quick before we get into the news, the real news. Rusty wrote in, says, well, gents, we're about to hit the storm of fall releases, even though it feels like all the great games got pushed to February. What games are you most looking forward to playing in November or December? I know this is a PlayStation podcast, but Halo Infinite tops the list for me on my PS5. I'll be playing Horizon Zero Dawn in anticipation of the sequel. Keep diddling them chickens. We will with their consent, of course. <laughs> now, I will say we are a PlayStation podcast, but mm. Halo is the biggest game of the year. And there's no ignoring that, that when that game comes out, not only do we have a Halo super fan and expert on our show, but over on Defining Duke, our Xbox podcast, where um, the Dukes will be talking about the game extensively. So I don't think there's any shame in that being the biggest. I mean, that's going to be the most played game in the core space this fall or this winter, I should say, because it'll be December. Yeah. But I'm curious, uh, boys, what you might be playing and not only what games are coming out because i actually think that pretty much everything that i would want to play is out i don't think there's anything else that that'll be coming out for me so it's more about organizing my time and knockback just totally screws my schedule up i gotta be honest like metal gear solid 3 it took me a week right of time that i could have been playing something else so here's what i've decided death loop going away i don't I, i'm not, i can't waste any more time with it i'm gonna keep working my way through castlevania advance during football games and then kenna i really like i want to Get back to that. We'll do the spoiler cast for that. And then uh, Far Cry 6 is what I'll go to after that. And then from there, I kind of have to figure things out because I like to play Alan Wake. By this point, we'll be in mid-November. The Grand Theft Auto games are going to be out at that point. There's a lot of stuff to keep us distracted. And I was thinking even with the Grand Theft Auto games, like those would be fun games to revisit for spoiler cast and review discussions too. You know, mm -hmm. GTA yeah. 3 is 20 years old. I mean, there are people that are gonna, about to play that game that listen to this show religiously that have never played it. And so there's a lot of of exciting possibilities but always my eyes are bigger than my stomach when it comes to games always 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 so i have to remember that as well yeah dustin what is your plan for november and december there's a lot of games that i've uh that i really like that i've started and then put on the back burner tales of arise is the biggest oh, yeah, one, that's another one. Yeah, that's that another. i am actually hoping to get back to pretty soon as far as new games i mean halo infinite i'm very very excited i think the 
not to open up a whole, whole conversation, but the campaign reveal they just did, I was a little bit mid on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm still going to play it regardless. And then, I don't know, I'm looking at these new releases. Like, I'm going to play the Pokemon Brilliant Diamond remake because that's a game that I loved when it came out. It maybe won't even be good, Fair. but I really want to play it because I had a lot of good memories with that game. And so, yeah, it's it's mostly going to be focused on on backlog. I think I want to peep the the Grand Theft Auto games, but for the sake of timing, I may just play San Andreas since it's going to be on Game Pass and save the the cash for now until and, and wait and get it the whole trilogy when it's on sale. Three will be on PS Now. Right. Yeah. So. My everyone's favorite service, <laughs> PS Now. Um, no, I know a lot of people like it. Take it easy. Uh, Three point five to four million people. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I may just check that on a Game Pass just because it's it's free with Game Pass, right? It is. <laughs> so, uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I I I'm interested. In, I was really surprised by the contentiousness of the Halo response. I'm like, what do you guys want? You know, but but <laughs> I was reading a lot of what I was I was reading a lot of what Chris's. Um, a lot of Chris's feedback and it, it made more sense to me. It seems like not even Halo is immune to yeah. Ubisoftication in some way. You know? Yeah. Like uh, I think someone showed me actually would be more like Bethesda, but like there's like, you know, this area is unlocked on the map. It's like what? Yeah. Area discovered yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Area discovered. Right. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't want to talk too much about it because it's just like, I don't know. I, I could spend hours doing that, but I think, uh, I think it looks good. I think it looks fun. I think it genuinely like, I don't think it looks bad. I just I just wish um they had shown a little bit of like more familiar like linear kind of story stuff instead of just kind of the open cuz I think the open world could be fun. I just hope that that's not all there is. But Right, right. But I don't know, man. This November is obviously and this winter is obviously going to be a pretty halo-filled time for me. Obviously, I'm not going to bother going deep into that, but I do want to check out some things that I wasn't necessarily planning on checking out i think uh i i'm hearing a lot of good things about guardians of the galaxy i don't know if i'll get to that immediately uh but it's something that i'm definitely considering jumping in on uh i want to go back and finish odd world because that's a game that i just sort of like fell off of because i was like playing a bunch of other stuff and battlefield is obviously going to be a massive thing uh when that comes out although Hype for that has gone seriously down after that, uh, you know, <laughs> that that beta showcase. That was like, I, I don't know if Dustin, did you play any of that? Yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, it was pretty buggy. It, pretty yeah, it was, buggy. It was, it was a massive. It, it was it was a pretty huge mess. <laughs> like I, I was playing it and I couldn't get. 15 frames a second and i got like a really strong pc it makes no sense there's a really good video by the act man on youtube like detailing a lot of like the the bugs with that so that's i'm less excited for it but i'm still you know hoping that it's you know fun and you know i hope that the finished product is is good but i want to finish psychonauts 2 before the year ends i'm on like the last bit of it i just i don't want it to end because it's it's been so good uh, and out of sheer curiosity, I'm sure, I'm sure that I'm probably going to be like, I wonder what Call of Duty Vanguard's about. But the thing that I'm sure. most excited about for real is the Grand Theft Auto trilogy, because when I was a young kid, that was the one thing that my parents were like, nah, dude, nah. same. 
you can't like mm-hmm. you can here's call of duty you know here's uh what's well, halo you're killing aliens go ahead whatever who cares those aren't real but <laughs> but hookers are real chris so like i couldn't play grand theft auto for the longest time and i would play like little bits of san andreas at my cousin's house and i would see like little bits of vice city at like friends houses but i've never actually gotten a chance to like finish or really experience those games for what they actually are outside of just you know you know really short like maybe 20 minute demos at like my friend's house like messing around with cheats in the sandbox i have no idea what the story of san andreas is i have no idea who these characters are. I don't know Vice City or three or really any of that. So you don't know Tommy Versetti? No. You're gonna, like, you're gonna get I, to know him soon enough. I don't know him from a hole in the wall. So like having these like really these really old beloved games waiting for me to experience for the first time, but with like modern controls and I don't have to deal with that like horrific horrific control scheme like hopefully like i think that's been confirmed right that they, they've added like modern oh yeah control. no it's it's apparently grand theft auto 5 controls good good uh not the best controls ever but like still no, way but, more palatable yeah than oh fucking... my god dude yeah uh, like i said i played <laughs> gta 3 in 2018 i think it was um just randomly i was like oh, i want to go back and fuck around with this. it's been a long time and i was i got to that like i said there's a there's a what you will encounter if you play gta 3 there's a which won't be anything to you now but there's a there's a scene where you're sniping these guys on the ship and I'm like, oh my God, like how did I play this? Yeah. As a kid, like I think it, we were so, it was such heady, nascent times for those kinds of games that it was like whatever they told you was like, okay, that's how it controls. I think that's why Metal Gear and Metal Gear Solid 2 didn't feel bad back then because it was like, okay, or Resident Evil. It's like, yeah, okay, that's a, that's the way it controls and then suddenly you can control the camera camera and games and all that and and you yeah. have these different expectations so yeah it's very I'm, I'm really excited for you to go back yeah no i'm i'm really looking forward to it because i've always felt like that was like a big hole in my my knowledge like i feel like this is a game that like everybody's played grand theft auto san andreas everybody knows vice city and i'm like damn i like i don't know it but i also feel like every time i go and look at gameplay of it, it just like i know for a fact that if i play it now it's going to feel terrible and I'm not going to enjoy it. And I, I could just, you could just tell from a game like that, even with modern rockstar games, which don't control particularly well still, you know? No, so. they don't. Yeah. Even red dead two definitely wasn't uh, a sterling example of control. Although I think that just goes to show you how good that game was. Yeah. That I, I, I will forgive it because it's just so impressive. I'm glad, uh, by the way, you guys brought up tales. Of course, that would be a good game to get back to, but yeah, guardians of the galaxy is getting really good reviews and, I bought it. I I don't know when I'm gonna play it, but I wanted to buy it because I feel like that game is gonna get cut in price. Oh yeah, pretty soon too. But it's supposed to be linear, and it almost sounds like almost like Uncharted in a way to me. It it just peripherally like a yeah linear yeah linear adventure. You know? it, it the way that uh, a friend of mine described it to me was like it's like it's like Uncharted and like a little bit of like Final Fantasy VII remake, and I'm like ooh that's mm. interesting. I hadn't considered that melding of uh of uh you know styles but it definitely i understand what he's what he means by it like looking at some of the gameplay oh also like i wanted to mention this might be totally incidental it's probably not relevant but like it's kind of i saw on twitter like uh rockstar announced that grand theft auto san andreas will have a vr version for oculus quest 2 which means yeah, yeah, yeah. potentially that, psvr later on down the line so that'd be nice would be nice really interesting to see that game in vr yeah. man it's, it's actually kind of perfect because it's in it's so low resolution that they can actually maybe make it look okay so maybe be interested to see what that's all about 
All right, so that's what we're playing. Rusty, thank you for writing in, and we'll have more to say, well, of course, about games next week. But let's get into the news in earnest here. And and this first piece of news broke right before the we started recording the show. And it's big news indeed. Number one, the PlayStation brand is very, very strong indeed. Sony has revealed new sales numbers and financials for the company as well as its biggest brand. And not surprisingly, PlayStation 5 is selling briskly at a record-breaking pace, in fact. As of the end of September 2021, PlayStation 5 has sold 13.3 million units, with PlayStation 4 now over 116 million. PS5's several million unit jumps this past quarter has uh, now has it in some interesting territory. It has officially outsold Dreamcast, Saturn, the Master System, the Game Gear, and even the TurboGrafx-16 and PC Engine. And this knocking on Wii U's door, in fact, by this point, it probably has already outsold Wii U. From there, it's into the 20s, where the next consoles will pass are GameCube at 21.7 million and Xbox at 24 million. It would be hard to imagine those numbers not surpassed by the end of Sony's fiscal year in March of 2022. That said, according to Video Games Chronicle, Sony does note that their guidance on console sales is contingent on supply chain and manufacturing issues, which are haunting everyone, particularly when it comes to precious semiconductors. Still, Sony's guidance shows PS5 outselling PS4 in its first full year and anticipates that it will happen into its second year as well. On the software side, Sony's studio individual headcount is up 20% year over year, which is insane. And investments, including more acquisitions, are possible. Remember that during this fiscal year, Sony has acquired Housemark, Firesprite, Nixes, and Bluepoint. Other notable numbers are buried within this data, too. PlayStation Plus has 47.2 million active subscribers, while game sales across PS4 and PS5 surpassed $76 million for the quarter. Or 76 million copies, I'm sorry, for the quarter, though those numbers are softer than they were year over year. That's not a huge surprise because of the lack of first-party games, but... Um, big sales here, Chris. Yeah. PlayStation 5, 13.3 million. Conspicuously and, and important to note, although we don't want to get into a warish stance, is that Microsoft will not say how many Xboxes they've sold. And this is something that they've been in the habit of doing since they've been losing. And now we are left to wonder. And and I think people have wisely triangulated those numbers recently to somewhere in the 8 million range, which is very respectable mm-hmm. based on some stuff that EA has said, take two, et cetera. But at 13.3 million units sold, PlayStation 5, that's not even a year on the market. PlayStation 5 is absolutely murdering. PlayStation 4 is slowing down substantially. And I imagine the silicon and all the production heft that goes into those is probably more useful for PS5 right now. For sure. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, what do you think about these numbers? I mean, I think it's interesting. I think that that, you know, that, that fool that everybody knows about who said the PS5 would only sold 212 copies, you know, like that, or <laughs> units. That, that guy's a, looking like a real idiot what right now. What a dummy. What a dumbass. <laughs> This guy's not real, by the way. No. I think, uh, no, I, I, I think it's really impressive that they've managed to hit these numbers despite like all these like supply constraints. Especially like something I didn't really consider before, kind of just now as you were reading, but just the fact that they're able to compete for these resources, given how big Microsoft is in comparison. Like I, I would have to imagine that there's like some interesting level of like interplay there, where it's like, hey, this mega corporation can afford like to take as much of this as possible and yet sony's still like eking by and like getting you know i'm sure there's laws and shit <laughs> to make sure that that doesn't happen like you can't be like hey i'm microsoft and i got all the semiconductors yeah <laughs> but, but it feels like it feels like that's like not super impossible so it's like it's cool to uh it's cool to see them doing well um it's not surprising that they were doing well i still think a lot of this is you know inertia you know from Definitely. uh from ps 4s success and it has to be. Yeah, it has to. Like, it's impossible I mean, like, for what, it not to what be. What is, what are the, I mean, no offense, but what, there's no killer app yet. Not for, yet. For the no. console, in my opinion. I yeah. mean, there are great I th- games I th- on it. 
but I think uh, Horizon has the potential to be that. I think I think like uh, the the next Horizon looks like it's it's poised to do like very 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 well. Um, but these are great great numbers, and I f- it's so funny to think like ten years ago people were talking about like man, people don't want consoles, man. People don't want these anymore. They want yeah, they want they want to play uncharted on their phones man like (laughs) people were saying that like actually for real i know i i uh can't believe that that was conventional wisdom i mean that was conventional wisdom was that consoles are just going to go away but it just goes to show you that consumers always know best dustin what do you make of these strong sony financial numbers 13.3 13.3 million units. Too bad most of them are to scalpers, right? I know. <laughs> 13.1 million of them are in scalpers' basements right now. Dude, yeah, I'm sure. Seriously, wait. I'm sure that when people tweeted out those numbers, that those were like the top replies about scalpers. But, uh, oh, for no. sure. Yeah. Which, yeah, for anyone, again, that's a joke, uh, clearly. I mean, yeah, scalpers have some of them, but it, it just doesn't make any sense. But, uh, this is great. I, I think Chris the pointed out the the biggest thing for me is just that it it's a difficult position. I mean, I'm not trying to defend mega corporation Sony here, but they are getting relentlessly shit on by people for not being able to supply these consoles, and they have produced more of them than last time during a pandemic when there's a shortage going on. It's like, I don't think they could be doing any better, really, as far as when it comes to supply of the device. They sold more in this first year than they will PS4s. Like, I don't really know what else they could possibly do. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's not unfortunate that people can't walk into a Target and buy a PlayStation 5 yet if they want to get one, uh, either for themselves or for a loved one, maybe this holiday. But uh, I, I think that really it is an impressive feat what they've been able to pull off uh based on the situation yeah it's it's uh, i feel i feel like this aspect of the industry is like even despite the supply constraints just in a really healthy place like i, I find that like uh, people are t- excited about video games like switch is like murdering switch is doing so well even though they have an oled model that barely does anything <laughs> different from like the previous <laughs> model yeah. you know xbox is actually True. like somehow gaining significant ground in japan in comparison to previous like uh, previous consoles and it's like this is like an interesting time to be uh, in the industry and like paying attention to it because it seems like everybody's just doing super well and everybody seems well satiated there's like a lot out there for everybody right now and it's it's awesome feels like really optimistic by the way uh two-thirds of all sale game sales on ps4 and ps5 now are digital yeah. Ha <laughs> ha. Suckers. It's so funny. I was like one of the first people to like, I, I jumped on this the second it was available. I was like, good. I never want to walk up to my console to change a disc ever in my life again. Oh my God. Me neither. I've never put a disc in my PS5. Either, yeah, me neither. I think I put I've a never... blue, I think I put a 4K Blu-ray in to test it to see like, because my friend was like, my PS5 is not, it's not displaying my 4K Blu-ray. What the fuck am I doing wrong? I was like, I don't know. Let me try mine. Works fine. Sucks for you. <laughs> you got the uh, the one with the bad chips. Yeah. Idiot. Taiwan idiot. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, yeah. So great numbers. Exciting for Sony. Potential big. And yeah, exciting that 
they have viable competition, like you said. Mm-hmm. Very strong Nintendo, very strong Microsoft. Different. We'll talk a little bit about Microsoft's approach a little later in our listener questions, I think. But yeah, congratulations mm-hmm. to PlayStation for very a job very well done. And as Chris noted, and as I said, and I've said, I still don't know that you need one. Like, I still don't know yeah. that the big game is here yet. And it's been a while. And, and I think Horizon, uh, Sony released some new Horizon footage. I just saw GIFs of it on their Twitter account. <laughs> I was like, I'm oh my push back. God. And I think they, I think they, did. I'm sorry. I said, I'm going to push back, but I want to let you finish. I just didn't want to. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I, I thought people were, I felt like that was intentional the day that Halo was re- revealed that they started doing stuff like that because the game looks way better than Halo. Now, I don't think it's really apples and oranges, of course, but I, I just felt like that might be one of the great advantages for, for Horizon is that it actually looks beautiful, but you were saying you don't agree. Mm-hmm. Well, I just want to, I know that when, when that gets brought up on this podcast, it makes a lot of people frustrated um, because I think that what does? Some, the, uh, the idea of the PlayStation 5 isn't worth it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because okay. a lot right, of people well, are playing games like Warzone or Destiny and the simple quality of life improvements that come with having a PlayStation 5 for their daily driver game is huge. I mean, just navigating yeah. menus, doing whatever you, you know, just playing the process of playing games, not actually playing the game sometimes so much better on PlayStation 5 that I don't know. I think that you're right when it comes to like a killer app. There is no game in particular that is worth having a PS5 for. But the many, many, many quality of life improvements, especially for people that are playing those lifestyle games, I would say it's uh, abundantly yeah. worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. I think, like, that was always the biggest reason for me to upgrade. Anyway, like, I didn't care about, like, you know, the games will come eventually, you know? But, like, for right. me, it was just, like, the games that I'm playing right now, like, I, I want Destiny 2 to run well now from my couch and not have to be, like, hunched over my PC. I want, like, um, you know, the games that I'm playing now to run, like, the way that I, I know they can on other, like, PC platforms uh and that is a, a a good reason to own a console like this it's like no no doubt but there is no killer app yet there is no like reason there's no singular reason why like somebody who's like totally fine with the way things are would go out and grab a console there is no it's it doesn't have its smash brothers ultimate you know it doesn't have its like uncharted 2 you know it it doesn't have that yet and i think right in the next year i think we'll have that i don't know what it'll be it's up in the air what that'll be, but I think it might be Horizon. Yeah, I, I agree with all of these sentiments. I think, mm-hmm. uh, as I've said in the past, I think I just kind of try to, I don't want to say play it down. I don't think that's true, but I just want people to feel bad. Like, I don't, it's not this revolution. In, right. In, it's not. It's a really wonderful machine. I love it. But I just want people to be like, all right, you'll, when you get there, it'll be fine. Like, I think there was a much bigger reason to upgrade to ps2 i think there was a much bigger reason to upgrade to ps4 than i think there is a reason to upgrade to P- like the jump from ps3 to ps4 was way bigger than the jump from ps4 to ps5 Colin, full stop you know here's what i would say though is yeah. that go back and play some well i guess you're playing a game in 30 fps right now with metal gear solid i'm playing but, on ps3 and, and it's horrible i mean ps3 yeah, is horrible that's the horrible. thing the biggest thing and for me is that this generation there is like a almost universal standard of hitting 60 and that is the jump that is the biggest thing and the biggest reason why i'm like yeah 
it is worth buying a PS5, even if you're playing PS4 games, because you're going to have better frame rates, sometimes double, depending on the game and how they do it. So I'm just thinking that, you know, I, I think you're, it's, it's good to not, you know, you don't want people to feel bad, but I do think that it is very, very, very much an improved experience when you can play at double the frame rate on PS5 over 30 at PS4. Fair enough. Number two, I'm a little bit disappointed in. I think some mm. people will be excited about. We'll see. We'll talk it out. Eagle-eyed internet denizens have spotted something interesting in a job listing from Sony-owned studio Gorilla. It appears the studio is preparing to allow external teams to shepherd its Horizon franchise. As reported by website Push Square, Gorilla is hiring for their so-called franchise and community team, which, quote, aims to establish, maintain, and expand the Horizon brand. This includes looking after the community, marketing, public relations, licensing, and all franchise-building aspects of the Horizon brand, end quote. Nothing about this is especially exciting until we get to this passage in the job listing, quote, in this role, you'll be part of a specialized group overseeing externally produced game projects. You will function as an integral extension of both the internal and external development team, managing expectations, setting up reviews, and constantly looking for opportunities to improve efficiency, introduce new ideas, and evolve production and reporting techniques, end quote. Push Square makes note of rumors that none other than Sony's most recent acquisition, Fire Sprite, is itself working on a Horizon game for PSVR 2. However, it's beyond doubt now that Sony intends on trying to make Horizon its next big thing. This isn't a huge surprise either, after all. The original Horizon, launched on PS4 in early 2017, is the console's fourth best-selling exclusive, behind God of War, Uncharted 4, and Spider-Man, and it saw nearly a million copies in its first month sold upon releasing to PC this past summer. Guerrilla, which was founded as Lost Boy Games more than two decades ago, joined the Sony first-party family in 2005 after the release of its FPS Killzone on PS2, and now pushes a headcount nearing 400 people in its Amsterdam office and is unclear what the team is working on apart from Horizon Forbidden West, due out on PS4 and PS5, as we just discussed in February. Now, there's actually interesting things in here, although I don't know if Sony would be stupid enough to let this stuff loose. Maybe they are. I read, Dustin, a few things into this based on specific language. They say you will be working between between external development teams and internal development teams, and they use a singular. So that to me indicates that internally Gorilla is either considered one team, which is unlikely, or that one team is on horizon like that is their directive. And now they'll fuse that with external developers and something else is clearly going on there, too. We're waiting to see. We think it's a shooter, maybe Killzone, maybe SOCOM. So there's that that I read into. Also, this kind of fusion of acquiring Fire Sprite, which is long rumored to have been working on a Horizon PSVR game. And now that would make sense, too, from and would make sense why Sony would be interested in buying them, by the way. But what disappoints me and what I want to throw over to you with is I don't want more Horizon games like we don't need to run Horizon into the ground. The reason Horizon is special is because we only have one game right now. We've had one game. By the time the new one comes out, it'll been five years. We only had one game. And that's fun. And there's obviously the Frozen Wilds expansion. She, Aloy, as a character, she has appeared in Fortnite. She has appeared in a very cute Genshin Impact promotion, which I thought she was awesome. And I know they want her to be more, but I'm afraid that they're going to let this get out of control. And it would be akin to reading that Sony is letting an external team make Uncharted. That might happen. That might be happening. But you don't do that with Uncharted 2. Uncharted 2 is the most important one. I, I just don't. So 
obviously forbidden uh west is internally developed but i just feel like they're letting go too quickly and it makes me a little nervous right i see here's the thing anything that makes money i just expect to be run into the ground at this point like <laughs> you mentioned already the partnerships they have looking at this quote here aims to establish maintain and expand the horizon brand okay uh expect a horizon tv show whether it's animated or live action or something we've already heard rumors about a partnership with netflix and sony so and they've they're doing an uncharted movie they're doing a last of us show so expect and horizon metal as well and twisted metal expect yeah. a horizon show guys right here i'm i, I <laughs> yeah freely i'm very uh, I feel like that's an easy guess there. If Twisted Metal, that. if Twisted Metal is getting a show, Horizon's getting a show. Right. Yeah. So that's gonna happen. Uh, there's a PSVR game that's gonna happen. There's a multiplayer game that we heard that they were hiring for that may also be Horizon. So that's yeah, that another... would suck. See, that's a good point. If that other team is also a Horizon team, it'd be like, oh my god. Yeah. No. You know. There's no. Sony's mobile initiative that's gonna be coming. So. Expect a Horizon uh, Pokemon Go game. Collect uh, your robot dinosaurs as you walk around. Yeah, it's going to be a Horizon everything everywhere. So prepare. That's too bad. Uh, do you agree, Chris? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know if I have much to add. We uh, live Dustin, in hell. Dustin really laid it out pretty well, but I, <laughs> I, I would not be. This would not surprise me in the slightest. It wouldn't surprise me either. I just rarification like scarcity is part of what makes something special it's not it's frustrating sometimes when there's one good thing like right spec ops the line we always bring up or Catherine's a good example we brought that game up earlier it's annoying that there can't be there really can't be more Catherine. there really can't be more spec ops the line but it's still yeah. frustrating that you don't get more and you want more and i understand that the inclination therefore is to say like you have something great with horizon why don't you do more but we're seeing with ubisoft right now that it's starting to implode on them in a pretty drastic way this idea of like more more same same more more it sony has managed to avoid this and i thought has had if not frustrating timing pretty good timing and saying like that's enough kill zone that's enough kill zone that's enough resistance that's enough little big planet although we have like the little big planet spinoff that's enough motor storm whatever and so on but they need to be able to say that's enough horizon like they need to be able to say that because you don't want this is the important thing is, is that while as popular as this game is, it's half as popular as God of War. And so it makes you wonder what they're going to do with that game, right? It makes you wonder what they're going to do with Uncharted. Now, we know that there is probably two Uncharted games in development, probably a remake of Drake's Fortune, although that's getting mixed up with the rumors about Last of Us remake. And then there's an Uncharted game that was being made externally and. I'm just concerned because I think Sony has done a really nice job of turning a switch off, even though it felt premature. We wanted more resistance. They wouldn't give us more resistance. But by not giving us more resistance, we got Spider-Man, right? Uh, we got more Ratchet. We got Sunset Overdrive, yeah. even though that was happening elsewhere. Again, opportunities taken, infinite opportunities lost. I get that. But let's not avoid the reality that getting away from Killzone got us Horizon. And so what can getting away from Horizon give us? That's what concerns me. And I know that they can have the best of both worlds. I know Horizon is big. I know Gorilla is a much bigger team than they used to be. I know all that's true. But I just want to make sure that they're being deliberate and not succumbing to 
the reality that Sean Layden so expertly laid out when he said these games are getting expensive and you need to start paying attention to that. And so don't be surprised that God of War is going to PC. Don't be surprised that Horizon sells a million copies and grosses them probably 40 or $50 million. Because they're going to need it for Horizon yeah. 7. You know, anyway. Number three. The next PlayStation published game Prime to come to PC is one that many of us hadn't even considered. And unlike the likes of Horizon and God of War, this one doesn't come from the first party at all. So the first things first, this game in question is Sackboy A Big Adventure, the PS5 launch game that also came to PS4 by way of repeated Sony second party developer Sumo Digital. Now here's the rub. According to website Video Game Chronicle, service SteamDB, which scrapes information off of the popular PC gaming platform Steam, scraped new details about a game with the codename Steel PC. Video Game Chronicles continues, quote, However, the product's current information references something called Marmalade content, which it's believed is a reference to Sumo Digital's platformer. It was pointed out on Reddit that September's huge leak of unannounced games on NVIDIA's GeForce Now streaming service uh, included a reference to Project Marmalade, which the list also confirmed was Sackboy at Big Adventure, end quote. So, in other words, we've triangulated even more information from that devastating NVIDIA leak that has given us information about a PC port that is certainly coming. So as the website reminds us, the NVIDIA leak was almost certainly real and certain games in that leak, including God of War's PC port and the Grand Theft Auto Remaster trilogy have since been confirmed as real. NVIDIA has, of course, denied the veracity of the leak, but the information was decidedly and demonstrably on their server and none of the games revealed are beyond imagination. Others included uh, that are reported purported to be in the works anyway, include Half-Life 2 Remastered, Bioshock Remake, Final Fantasy IX Remake, Kingdom Hearts 4, Crisis 4, Helldivers 2 from Harrowhead and others. So I don't know. Uh, Chris, what do you think? Sackboy, a big adventure is going to be the next game that looks like it'll migrate over. It's interesting. What's interesting about this to me is like, I, I can't really nail down a, a strategy as to like how Sony is deciding when to release these on PC. You know what I mean? But like, I feel like it's got to be money. Right, it's got to be like, listen, Sackboy, Sackboy, Big Adventure is not selling super great. You know, I can't remember the last time we talked about it. I can't remember the no, last no, time. It, 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 very I can't little, remember yeah. the last time it's come up. So, like, I would imagine it's like, all right, we're we've kind of bled the stone dry here on on PlayStation Network. This is a PS4 and PS5 game. We've got it on both platforms already. Let's bring it to PC to get some, you know, to get to get more out of this. Because we've clearly exhausted our efforts on 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 console, but it seems pretty quick for them to make that call. You know, I understand. I, I would this, agree. Like I'm I understand, sorry, it's no Horizon or God of War. Like these games are going to be those games are going to be selling for years. You know, after they come out, like even if it's like a little bit, it's like still going to be a substantial amount of you know sales. So like it makes sense to me that like God of War came, uh, is coming to PC way way later. It makes sense that Horizon uh, Zero Dawn came to PC way way later. Uh, Death Stranding, though, was, what, a year? A year. Not even, I don't think. And a different publisher, but... Yeah, yeah, but... That that might have been a carve-out, but yeah, that was that was different. And then they always had these weird carve-outs with, like, Helldivers is so interesting because that was a game that came to PC. And no one really thought twice about it, but could be a harbinger of things to come. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree with, with this... Sackboy news, it's to me, it seems like just and I don't know if you agree, Dustin, it just seems low cost, low opportunity. I, I just to me, it's almost one of those games where I'm like, why? Why bother? Except for they might be curious about the telemetry and the data they're going to get from a children's game and a co-op game. 
So there's more information to be had, and maybe that's what they are curious about. But it does signal that everything is coming to PC. Like, I, I would imagine that there is nothing that is going to be held back or potentially nothing that could be held back. They might want to be very Nintendo-like in their virtual console approach where they're like, yeah, we could do this all at once. We're not going to. Uh, but <laughs> Sackboy, a big adventure. I'm like, OK, I, that's all you need to know about their intent. Yeah, right. Yeah, this one, I mean, we've always talked about how Sony's been using their PC releases to market future games i don't get that feeling from this one i'm getting more the feeling what chris is saying where it's i don't feel like this game did very well outside of its launch title status it probably sold a decent amount because launch titles always sell well in that people bought a new expensive toy they want games to play on it and so that's probably one a lot of people picked up I think the aspect of getting the information about a more family-friendly game or in co-op is interesting because, I don't know, I don't feel like PC gamers are really gravitating towards that uh, yeah. as something that they want to buy. I don't see this being a very appealing product to the core market of PC gamers. But then again, there's a lot of younger kids now that are gaming on PC because of games like Fortnite, right? Uh, mm-hmm. all the time kids that either have like a a decent laptop or whatever. So yeah, it's it's highly possible that maybe there is a PC market for it. But I'm I'm leaning in mostly what Chris said and that they're kind of thinking that they've kind of bled this one dry. Let's just try to make some more money out of it while we can. Yeah, very well said. And I think they'll be able to get more useful data and i think just we don't know i mean this might not be true but i must give a shout out to the to the the sleuths that put it all together because that nvidia leak i think over the years is going to show it's like the fucking pentagon papers like i think it's just gonna like it's gonna be referenced for many years as being like oh my god like the all of this stuff was definitely true and and i think there's no doubt that that stuff was true and yeah we are but to be safe we must say that we are awaiting official confirmation, but shout out for using the, the, by the way, the code name marmalade content for the port. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, I can't wait to hear what you guys think of this. Number four, a new crossover fighter is in the works and it's from a publisher. You may not expect Warner brothers. The game hasn't officially been revealed yet, but it's decidedly leaked and it's called multiverses. The images and videos from the leak have been copyright stricken into oblivion in many places. So that's all you need to know, but are still around if you know where to look. And the character select screen shows the following fighters. Steven Universe, Adventure Time. I didn't know those were characters. Batman, Harley Quinn, Gandalf, Rick and Morty, Tom and Jerry, Bugs Bunny, Shaggy, Wonder Woman and Mad Max. Uh, And I think some of those aren't included in the screen, but have been rumored from the people that uh, leaked the game. Who's developing the game is also unknown, although it has a decidedly and not surprisingly cartoonish feel. As Smash Brothers on Switch reaches the end of its roster expansion and games like Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl try to fill the niche in its own way, this, of course, raises the question on if Sony should get back into the game with the new crossover brawler. Next year will mark a decade since Superbot's PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale came to both PlayStation 3 and Vita, came in the fall of 2012, as you might recall. This uh, this rumor actually started circulating late last week, and I think people were like, this is nonsense. And I think the dude that originally leaked it like kind of dunked on everyone because he's like see like here's all the information you need 
Gandalf versus Rick and Morty sounds oh a little ridiculous. Now, shit. rumor is is that it's supposed to be free to play, so maybe yeah. not as egregious as it seems. Also, a couple of the fighters, I'm like, that's cool. Tom and Jerry, I think, would be fucking dope. Like, th- that's almost something you'd want to see in Smash Brothers. Like, <laughs> those characters are awesome. I love Tom and Jerry. So that was kind of the old one. I don't know what they do with them now. Yeah, yeah. But like, th- they're so violent, and like that would be funny as hell to have like an ice climbers like thing with them. But otherwise, I, I and I like like it's cool, like Mad Max fighting Gandalf like that's oh, that's cool. But it's just weird that Warner Brothers has the audacity to assume that they have the heft to do a game like this. And I'm a little confused why this game is almost certainly not being developed by their in-house fighting team, which is either even weirder to me. It's like you have Netherrealm. They've done a crossover fighter already, by the way. What are you doing? So a little bit of oddities, but um, Chris, what do you think? I don't I don't know. Look, I, I like crossover fighters. I think they're funny. I think they're like fun. I think they're like it's amusing to see, you know, like I've talked to, I've talked before on the show. I, I can't remember if it was on the main show or if it was on like a call in episode or a mail, uh, you know, a mailbag episode. But like I would love to see like like a Seinfeld Mugen fighter. Like I think that'd be hilarious. Like there's no i'm not inherently opposed to the idea it's just it's just the imagery of <laughs> rick and morty <laughs> fighting gandalf and like how are these characters going to be rendered like is it going to be like a real looking yeah gandalf? If you look, if, no like if you look at the, all we have is this what it looks like the renders from the stage select screen and they look like 3d maya cartoon like renders like that looks fine it but right. it's like kind of a um a more cartoonish gandalf yeah than it just you might expect. it just reminds me of those memes that people would make up of like character fighters and it would just be like all these like it's like ben shapiro versus you know the, the, the wicked witch of the east and it's like what what is this it looks like it's just a completely random hodgepodge of things and i guess I guess because Smash Brothers is like at the end of its character roster, like a lot of these companies are thinking like, ah, maybe it's time to jump in. I do not think this is a wise thing to do. These are fun games for like meme content. It's it's fun to joke about it. But I mean, Nickelodeon, like that Nickelodeon game isn't being talked about really at all. Like no, it was I, I, when it was first talked about because right. it was funny and it was amusing. It's like, ah, you can like wave dash with SpongeBob. Ah, it's like, yeah, it's funny. But it doesn't live beyond that, really, because it's not Smash Brothers. It's always going to be a pale imitation. I don't care if you can play as, like, hey, Tom and Jerry versus the Clockwork Orange Rapists. Like, that's not, like, like I don't I don't understand the appeal of, like... That's a battle for the ages right there. Yes. Holy moly. Yeah. It's, it's like, endgame. But I don't know. I, I feel like this is, like, a gimmick more than anything else because plenty of studios have tried this and it just doesn't really work. Nintendo just has an eye for this and they have a design team that's focused on this specifically exclusively for the last 20 plus years. You know, that experience helps. And the fact that they've been doing it so long, it's like, I guarantee if you go back and play the first Smash Brothers, it's not particularly good. You know, it's probably like a little messy, probably a little clunky, but because they have so much experience with this genre, it makes that game feel premium. And, and, even if you have a game like this that's on PlayStation 5 and on Series X and on PC with like much higher fidelity uh, capabilities than a Switch, it's always going to feel like less premium 
than Smash Brothers, which is highly impressive on the on the behalf of like Sakurai's team. The fact that he's able to do that with like, you know, very limited hardware in comparison is like really impressive. But it's it's a fool's errand to go against Nintendo on this specific front. I think they should be challenged on the portable market front. I think they should be challenged in, on the, you know, all ages kind of demographic. I think that's areas where other other developers and other publishers and other other ecosystems could genuinely compete, but they got Smash on lock and everything's just going to feel like an imitation. So it's better just not to try. This is going to be a fun thing to meme about though for a for a solid minute. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be fun it, seeing I... Shaggy curb stomp <laughs> curb stomp wonder woman like it's gonna be funny because like there's that meme yeah. about ultimate shaggy like uh it was the ultra instinct shaggy where he's like like a dragon ball character yeah uh and i'm sure they'll probably like do something in there because the, again it's like the, it's like the game is kind of a joke intentionally yeah i i i think you make some really great points what what how do you want to expand on that dustin well i'm not surprised that this exists just because warner brothers cannot resist making crossover movies yeah they've yeah. done it three times now Partially, they started with Lego Movie, and that's where they kind of dipped their toes. Then they did the absolute shit show that was Ready, Ready Player One. And then now Space Jam, Space which Jam. might as well be called Ready Player One 2, uh, with all this crossover nonsense. And, I mean, we just got to make the best of it. Put Neo from The Matrix in it. Put someone from The Sopranos in it. Let's make it happen. Uh, <laughs> we need the... Uh, if they really want to do this right, they got to get some of these like weird characters in. Uh, but here's the thing. You know what they're going to do? And this is what enrages me. And this is what is going to keep me up at night. Is that I, I know it's going to happen too, guys. Is that they're going to... From the dark closet, once again, they're going to dust off my boy, the Iron Giant. Wheel him out. After the major amount of disrespect that he got for years. Oh, don't worry. We're going to wheel you out for another crossover. Just the amount of disrespect you're, you're is unparalleled. Yeah. And like I'm very Chugger upset about it. Character. That would be interesting. Yeah, because here's the thing about this. And Dagan always brings this up, my brother, because he's a huge Marvel versus Capcom fan. Is like, it doesn't get any better than that for a lot of people in terms of cro well, real crossover fighters, not not Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah. And my opinion is that there are certain studios that can do this. Go do it. And I think that the rumors of a new Marvel versus Capcom game, which I think were also in the GeForce League, I think maybe got into DC's ear a couple of years ago, and they were like, we got to do something here because they're, they're bringing back their crossover fighter too. Their universe is already so interesting. And obviously... DC wants to have that same metaverse and they have it with some of their stuff like Harry Potter and everything. They've, they found success, but I'm just of the mind. And that's what I was bringing up with in the newsread with PlayStation All-Stars, where I would love to see someone just go to Capcom and just be like, you make it like if Sony wants to do PlayStation All-Stars, for instance, or whatever they would call it, a crossover fighter, go do it, go do it. Don't mess around. Go hire the very people that make some of the finest fighting games. Go to Arc System Works. Go to Capcom. Go to whomever. NetherRealm, right? Depending on the kind of game you want to make. You can even go to, to um, Sega if you want to do a, a, a 3D fighter, right? Or Namco Bandai with a, two, a 3D fighter. Very similar to Soul Calibur. However you want to do it. I just think the big thing is, and I think this is what hurt All-Stars. You can't make games that look and play and feel like Smash Brothers. Because it's not going to work. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. It's not going to work. Superbot did that with PlayStation All-Stars. It was a huge mistake. 
they should have made a traditional 2D fighter and it would have been different because then you wouldn't have had anything to compare it to because crossover Smash Brothers didn't create crossover fighters, not even close. You know, it's that they popularized that notion, starting with starting really with Melee of of what a cro- platform based cross crossover fighter. I just want these other companies, in other words, to do something different. So it's not so much that WB is doing this that bothers me as much as it's like um, you own a fighting team. If you want to do it, then don't you want to just do it the right way? And if you feel like you have to make this cartoony game that's going to be free to play and everything, is it really worth it? Yeah. It's, These are the questions I have. Yeah. it's. I really need everybody to understand that the Clockwork Orange Rapists had courtside tickets to watch, <laughs> <laughs> to watch LeBron James. And the Looney Tunes play basketball. I really, I really need everybody. I, I need everybody in the audience to really understand that that is a decision that was made on purpose. I can't get it out of my head. Like, still, it's so insane. That's funny. All right, it's real. It is real, but it's still funny as well. Number yeah. five, Returnal. Returnal's 2.0 update has finally arrived, and it appears developer Housemark has succumbed to players' most common requests: suspending your play cycle. As you may recall, upon launch, Returnal was controversial for its stubborn refusal to allow any sort of game saving, likely fearing save scrubbing, which would allow especially persistent players to bypass Returnal's notorious difficulty. However, the developers' plans didn't quite work out because it assumed PlayStation 5's suspend and resume functionality would be just as good, and well, it wasn't. Games were often lost because of this, and for a title that can demand hours for a run, this is something that probably should have been fixed far earlier, but now it has been, and with the most obvious workaround, your save essentially self-destructs when loaded. So even if you do save and try to scrub, you'd be limited to do so, doing so by laboriously uploading and downloading your save from the PlayStation Plus cloud at best. A photo mode has also been added to the game as well, which is awesome and the, as the game is beautiful. Returnal launched exclusively on PS5 in late April earlier this year. It was well received enough to convince Sony to finally purchase Housemark, its longtime second party partner from Finland, which has created some of Sony's best downloadable games on PS3, PS4 and Vita, including Super Stardust, Dead Nation and Resogun. Jeff Scott wrote in and said, hey, CDC, Returnal has finally been updated to include mid-cycle saves. Do you think this has an effect on the original intention of the game? Colin, I remember you even saying you found an appreciation for its unforgiving nature. Personally, I have yet to sink my teeth into the game, so I can't help but feel my experience with the game will be marginally different from those who have played it when it first came out. Does the developer's artistic intent matter in this situation? Thanks for all you do. Well, Dustin, I'm curious to know what you think of this, because I think the intention matters. I'm just confused if they were going to do this, why they didn't do it a long time ago, because... I think everyone kind of just accepted it, right? They they released patches that fixed other things, and this is not a complicated thing to put in your game. It's not. I'm sorry. You make a save state, self-destructs, it loads to where you are. It's not a not really a huge lift for a company, a developer, especially a AAA developer like Housemark now is. So right. they made other fixes. They fixed algorithmic RNG problems and all the other things, and they refused to do anything about this until now. And now I feel like he's right. Jeff's right. You are getting a different game. Now, it might not matter, but it's going to feel different because it's not going to have the same imminence and sphere of and that one of being like, I got to go. I got to go. And like, you and you know, you, you suspend your PS5 and hope for the best, but you come back and it's frozen or whatever was happening to people. I just feel like this was a little bit late. And I, 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 I was a little surprised to see it because I just thought through their silence that they had accepted or not accepted, but that they were like, no, we want to do it our way. I know that they've acknowledged that it was something people wanted, but I just don't understand why you do it six months later. Right. You know? I, I totally agree. It's definitely 
too late at this point. But to what Jeff is saying, you know, the concerns about uh, his experience with the game being different than those who played it before. It will be, no doubt. But I don't think that what you're missing is something to be upset about. (laughs) The stress of putting it in rest mode and hoping for the best. uh, The fact that you'll be able to just save and then come back is going to be a much better experience. And I guess, I don't know, like you could make the argument that maybe the RNG is more fair now. Maybe it's not, uh, you know, somewhat not as, as punishing in which I mean, I guess uh, if you really feel that uh, you're not, you want to have the same level as of difficulty, but I feel like now it's just more fine tuned to a more enjoyable experience overall. So really Jeff, I think you're the one who's getting the best experience even if it is slightly different so i wouldn't really see that as a problem chris i'm curious what you think about the save scrubbing issue particularly because in thinking about well you know i've beaten the game spent enormous amount of time with it like 80 hours and came to kind of realize that you could save scrub but you don't really know to what end you're doing it so the the added frustration of uploading and downloading from the cloud constantly, I think would be overrun by the feeling of being like, well, I'm saving and I'm scrubbing from this save, but I don't really know what's spawning from this particular point anyway. So it might not be a good place for me to save anyway. In other words, it really does default to a traditional quick save for convenience and maybe isn't as big of a problem as I thought. Yeah, I really don't think this is a big deal at all. I I, I never once thought about you know, the inconvenient save structure as being like a, you know, like a, ooh, what a thoughtful inclusion, you know, <laughs> you know, like, ooh, what, they're really making the game uh, real challenging. I, I never really thought about it that way. I thought about like, wow, what, what a, this feature seems uh, a little necessary, <laughs> you know, at the very least, like, specifically back then when suspending your, your games just didn't work. Like, like, I remember early on, uh, that just never fucking worked for me. Like it, 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 like every time I would suspend the game to go watch something, or like maybe like even just to go back to the menu frequently, like it would, it would restart the entire thing. And I'm like, all right, well, if the assumption was that that would work well, then I wouldn't have had a problem. But it just didn't. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I feel that strongly about this. I don't know if this is really enough to get me to be like, ah, oh, man, I get, I better jump back into Returnal again. I feel like a lot of that muscle memory is kind of gone. So it would just be like, I feel like it would almost be twice as frustrating for me to go back now because like now I know that I can play it, <laughs> but now I'm probably gonna be like, ah, man, I used to know how to do this. And it's like, uh, I can't foresee that being like a reason for me to come back. But I think I agree with you guys that it feels, it feels like really late to do this. Like, yeah, there's I, no way this was hard to do. Right. There's definitely no way that was hard to do. Saving your game saving itself is not hard, but I do. Maybe the conspiracy theorist in me smells a little something on the air, which could be a PlayStation Plus release for this game. Which, if that's true, then they need to nip that in the bud because people are gonna fucking lose it. Yeah. Um, if it's available to millions of people suddenly, I think that might be where this is coming from too. But we'll see. Number six. If you're a fan of Stardew Valley, and you very well may be, as the game recently surpassed 20 million copies sold, you'll be pleased to know that the next game from the one-man studio behind Stardew has been revealed. It's called Haunted Chocolatier, and while its target hardware and release window are both unknown, it's logical to assume that it will come to PlayStation. 
Stardew Valley came to PlayStation 4 in 2016 and PS Vita in 2018. Stardew Valley was heavily inspired by the likes of Harvest Moon, and this title seems to be of a similar vein. In fact, it looks a great deal like its predecessor, but instead of focusing on farming and building your relationship with a town, quote, the gameplay loop involves around gathering ingredients, making chocolate, and running a chocolate shop, end quote. Naturally, that's just a peripheral description, as the beauty of these types of games is in their random levels of depth. Deve- developer Concerned Ape, who continues to work on his own, uh, who works on his own by himself, and who continues to also work on other projects, notes that this game is still quite early, and that he continues to toil away on Stardew all the while. So Stardew Valley comes up on our show every so often. I really got into it in quotes on Vita, although I always reset my game like 10 or 15 hours in and then just start again because I get frustrated with something or another. But it's cool to see something like this from him. Uh, Dustin, I was a little surprised that it looks exactly the same, though. Uh, Maybe it's not a huge surprise, but he is one of those guys very much like our friend Tom Happ, who does Axiom Verge, where he does everything. So he has a style and that's going to be that's going to come out in the artwork. But it, it's kind of looking more like an expansion of San, of Stardew Valley, and I know a lot of people are excited about it, but I wonder if that will turn anyone off. Yeah, that's a good question. I know for me, seeing the trailer, as someone who put tons and tons of hours into Stardew Valley, a lot of it was not focused, but the way you gather these materials is you go through this portal, and then you go and you fight stuff, and they drop you know, different materials that you can use to make chocolate, which is cool. But what's interesting is that I always found the combat in Stardew Valley to be the the part that I liked about it the least. So to see that be the primary focus, or not the primary, but one of the major aspects of this game was a little bit of a red flag for me. But overall, I am really, really excited to play this regardless because, man, Stardew Valley was just such a really charming, really addictive game with a great soundtrack. And uh, it's it's one of those games where it was I enjoyed it so much that no matter what he does, I'm at, at the very least going to check out. Fair enough. Chris, are you interested in uh, this game at all? I don't really know how you feel about management games like this. Yeah, I it's Stardew Valley is a game that I appreciate more than a game that I would personally play i'm just not this type of uh i don't know if i could play relaxing games i know that i know that's like ah you know stardew valley's got it's got combat and like it's not all relaxing but these kind of like simulator games where it's like raise a farmstead it's like like animal crossing or or like anything with those mechanics i tend to avoid and and like even if they are in the game like even in like something like skyrim where it's like you can learn alchemy don't you want to learn alchemy it's like no i want to kill a dragon so i don't know i i feel like these kinds of games are just like not for me or not for my taste i i really appreciate them though and the fact that this is made by one guy is like remarkably impressive and i think that that should be like uh you know applauded and you know appreciated uh immensely but um it's just not a genre that speaks to me and i i can't say that this is um i can't say that this is something that like really changed my mind or anything that got me like on board you know this next one number seven We've talked about already, but I we have to make it official. We've talked about this a lot over the last few weeks, but it's become official since we last recorded, and so we should solidify the news. Grand Theft Auto Trilogy, the definitive edition, is PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 bound, and it's coming sooner than you likely think, as rumors indicated. You can find the games a la carte or bundled together beginning November 11th, and better yet, if you're a PlayStation Now subscriber, you'll get Grand Theft Auto 3, the definitive edition, as part of the service beginning at launch. 
The games have been graphically reworked with better resolutions, frame rates, and textures, new lighting effects, and more. And perhaps more, most importantly, pardon, the games have improved and updated controls modeled on Grand Theft Auto V. GTA 3, which came to PlayStation 2 in 2001, is largely understood to be one of the most important video games ever made. It revolutionized open-world gameplay, humor, sex, and violence in games, gunplay and driving, and more. And it was followed by a beloved sequel, Vice City, in 2002, and San Andreas in 2004, also on PS2. Sadly, the re-releases stopped there. There's still no word on if or when we may get the likes of 2008's Grand Theft Auto 4 on PS4 or PS5, as well as its two DLC packs, and other games from that era like Liberty City Stories and Vice City Stories on PSP and PS2 and Chinatown Wars on DS and PSP. GTA's reemergence isn't without controversy, however, as website Kotaku reported on the surprising change to the character Phil Cassidy in GTA Vice City. In the original, he's wearing a shirt with the Confederate flag on it, which has seemingly been edited out, if the trailer is any indication. As for GTA 6, rumors continue to percolate there, too. In a conversation with Rolling Stone, rapper Snoop Dogg spoke about fellow rapper Dr. Dre, who he said is making, quote, making great fucking music, and some of his music is connected to the GTA game that's coming out. So I think that will be the way that his music will be released through the GTA video game, end quote. So that's awesome. So we have a little bit more information there. Now, I wanted to throw something over to you, uh, Chris, and we'll go to Bill Peddle here. He says, good day, gentlemen. With Rockstar apparently removing a Confederate flag from the GTA trilogy, do you think this shows that there is slim to no chance of a bully sequel or remake? I think this is actually a really good question. Because when this story was making the rounds, and so we don't really know exactly what's going on here. Phil Cassidy is a character that's actually in all three GTA games on PS2. He's a weapons dealer. Mm-hmm. And in Vice City, he wears a Confederate flag and on his shirt. Now, the game takes place in the 80s. It's Florida, so this is deep south. But in seeing that, I think it was Kotaku that reported on it first, and we'll see how the, the, the game comes from there. It's unclear if they did that just for the ad or if it'll be like that in the game. But assuming it's like that in the game... It doesn't bode well for Rockstar as far as this kind of place where you can express yourself and say and do what you need to do to get your game out there. And I'm just confused what is so offensive about the Confederate flag from the perspective of 1980s and Vice City's respect, 1980s Florida, where, as people have noted, I mean, these things are flown. I'm in the South. These things are flown places still not the thing that's right or wrong but mm-hmm. it's he's a gun dealer he's not a good guy he's not a good character it's just a shirt he's wearing yeah. it and the way <laughs> i put it is like it's got serious like there were no swastikas in world war ii vibes remember it was right. in wolfenstein 2 where it's like what the fuck is this they're the nazis they use swastikas that's what that's what they do yeah you know and you would imagine some white trash arms dealer in florida <laughs> in the 1980s might be wearing a confederate flag on his shirt that i just feel like that's shocking from this studio, and I don't think it's a good sign, personally. He's Yeah, I just put out a video about this exact thing, actually, like uh, today. And it is strange, considering that flag is on... It's associated with this character that's portrayed like a complete like piece of shit. <laughs> like, like, he's an idiot. He blows, like, spoiler alerts for Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Yeah. Uh, he blows his own arm off in a drunken stupor like he's not like this it's not like this the confederate flags being like portrayed as like ooh, this wonderful thing you right. know like it's it's being d- deliberately associated with a stereotypical like like drunken redneck which to me is even more confusing right it's like why would you it almost seems to defeat the purpose of like wanting to separate you know uh imagery from like 
stereotypes. But like, I, I do want to mention this because I was racking my brain thinking about this as well. And this is partially what my video is about. This game is going to be on the Apple App Store. This is a mobile game as well. And when I heard this news and I saw this news about the Confederate flag, I got like a memory of like an old video I did. And I went back and I looked like I, I swear I've talked about this. And it turns out in 2015, Apple did like a sweep, like like a complete sweep on their app store, removing everything that had a Confederate flag, regardless of the context in response to, I think, some uh, riot or, or like some like big protest at the time. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was about the Confederate flag and they made like this complete like blanket rule where like you couldn't have them and a lot of like historical context uh games were taken off the store for that reason games like you know i can't remember specific like titles but they were like like real type strategies about like the civil right. war and like like educational titles and it was like a big deal at the time but to my knowledge that has never been undone hmm. and so i'm not super concerned about this from a rock star perspective because I really do think this is an Apple thing and they, it's just like, we got to get the games on the app store. They have this stupid rule. Like I, I have to assume that that's the reason why it's gone because Grant, thought it was so no holds barred. Like there's no way they got rid of a Confederate flag because it was just too much. Meanwhile, you're out there like murdering hookers and shit, like and killing thousands of cops, especially because the context of that Confederate flag is again, in association with a, a right-wing stereotype. So I don't even think it would make sense coming from like a liberal perspective to censor that in that context. I really do think this is purely because of Apple's like stringent rules, which by the way, isn't great either. Like that sucks, but I don't think it's necessarily indicative of like a major change at Rockstar. Like I think it's more to do with just this like really weird rule that Apple has just not conceded on. And also the fact that this is a port made by, I'm pretty sure... Is is it made internally at Rockstar this 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 thing? I actually have no idea who's working on the on the port. I would presume it was it was external, but the, but people had brought that up. That doesn't matter. I mean, no one they're not going to do anything they want to the game without without Rockstar permission. That, that is true. But I, like if, I, but I if they but if they say like hey, uh you can't go on the App Store and you're trying to get this on mobile, it's like Right. Uh fuck. You would think you would just make that like, See, this is this is a version almost of the heckler's veto because what this basically means is that now the lowest common denominator must be catered to on multi-platform releases. Period. Right. Right. And that sucks because that basically just means the most extreme version of a popular storefront will now be the de facto rule set for everyone's storefronts. Yeah. Unless a company like this pushes back. And I think that's a really great point that you're making a really good, well-researched point about wanting to be on the app store and Apple Arcade and all that. And that's cool. But what about all of the other versions of the game? Yeah, you know, yeah. And that's and that's yeah, that's yeah. what's weird to me. And I don't I just don't I think it's peculiar that a, a game about murder, theft, arson. Drug use and sex and whatever, it's like that's the line. It's fucking pathetic. And it shows how stupid that rule is. It, it is on Apple yeah. because I do <laughs> remember that. I remember that being a thing. It's like there are earnest civil war games that use that flag is it really that big of a deal it's like panzer commander on pc using the swastika i mean that's that's the yeah. flag of the fucking country i don't, I don't know what you what you want it doesn't mean yeah. you support them or like them it, no you know? exactly like i'm, I'm not Very saying weird. it as to like excuse it as like a i know yeah it's just um i think 
the reasoning is like a little different than the assumption that people are having. And uh, it sucks that like we have this thing where it's like, yeah, the biggest mega corporation just gets to decide what happens now based on a rule made in a time that is not even like I, I really don't think if the Confederate flag was in the game. I really can't imagine that anybody would actually complain about it. Like, I really don't think even like your polygons or your, you know, your more typical kind of like, you know, uh, crybaby places. Like, I, I don't think even they would make a big deal out of it because, again, the context of it seems so obviously like to mock the sentiment of that flag and the people who fly it. Like, I really don't think it would have been a, a big deal at all. So the biggest shame in this is that rules that are established in times of like unique oversensitivity just exist and overstay their actual desirability and their actual necessity to the point where like even when no one cares it's not allowed because it's just a blanket rule and because apple commands so much of the mobile market they just get to make this rule and decide what the version of the game that everybody else gets to play and that sucks I think it's a different issue than like, you know, Rockstar being like, like being made more sensitive. I don't think, I don't actually think that's happening. And I don't, I don't think we'll have a real leg to stand on with that until we actually see something new from them, from them actually. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to mention that because it's something that I forgot too until I like started looking around. Like, I swear to God, I swear to God, this exact thing has happened before. Well, it's excellent insight. And yeah. And, also, a little bit of assuming that it's to placate Apple, then it's a little a bit of insight into how the sausage is made as well. Dustin, do you right. have anything to add? I felt really smart because I knew the Apple rule. And so I was going to bring that up. And then Chris did. So I have I have Still absolutely nothing. I think Chris <laughs> put it very well. So, um, yeah, not not nothing new to add. So I'll just leave it at that. Cool. Number eight, Sony has revealed November's extra big PlayStation Plus games offering, which, as you may recall, is buttressed this month by three PSVR games to celebrate the unit's fifth anniversary. The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners is one free download, while The Persistence from Sony's newest purchase team, Fire Sprite. Actually, that's not technically the newest blue point would be now. And fantasy themed game Until You Fall is also free. All three of those games came to PSVR in 2020. On PlayStation 4, players will also receive Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning, the re-release of the 2012 action RPG from developer 38 Studios and publisher EA. The new game comes by way of THQ Nordic, which is likely interested in continuing this franchise as well. It's actually getting DLC, right? And the right. port first came to PS4 in 2020. And finally, PS4 and PS5 players will receive EA's popular dodgeball multiplayer game Knockout City, as well as the new Among Us-like asymmetric game we talked about earlier, First Class Trouble. As always, these games are available to download free of purchase in quotes with an active subscription, and you should add all of these games to your download list, even if you don't want them right now, as you may want to play them later. I don't know if there's much to say here. I'm I'm very pleased. I was I've been meaning to buy Re-Reckoning, and now I'm like, oh, there it is. Because I know I'm gonna want to play that at some point. I don't know, mm -hmm. you know, some 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 time in the future. But nothing too crazy there. Knockout City, nice little addition, and the PSVR yeah. games as well. The PSVR games supposed to be very, very good. Uh, that Walking Dead game, I know it may seem like a license game to ignore it, but it's supposed to be really, really good. Also, I've heard really good things about uh, Until You Fall. That's one I want to pick up. I don't know if I can play it on PSVR, though. I just after using uh, the Oculus Quest for a while, I just it's just too the tracking, the tracking on PSVR. I, I'm really excited for the new one to come out so we yeah. can throw that thing out the window. Me too. I'm. I'm. Think. I mean, Chris sent me his PSVR, and I never received it. 
Yeah, uh, that's pretty great. That's so that's I have a, yeah, I, so I've had a launch PSVR, and then I bought Chris his own PSVR, which he never used, and then he sent it to me. But then it never came. But my VR unit is something is broken, and I don't know what it is. So I think the quickest thing would just be to buy a new one. So I think before the end of the yeah. year, I'll just you know expense that. Whoever's got I, my PSVR and has that that card I, I put in it for Colin, don't read it because it just doesn't make sense anymore. <laughs> you just completely <laughs> you've ruined my joke. It's 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 uh in it's probably just fell off a conveyor belt. It probably you know when once once in a blue moon something gets delivered like really really late and and it, it becomes clear that it just someone just found it like, I don't, <laughs> right. and, like where has this thing been that happens like once in a blue moon to me something shows up and i'm like what the fuck where has this thing been what is yeah. happening with this thing but uh nice little offerings there and yeah i would like to get re-familiar with psvr although i've been saying that for a while just because there are a couple of games coming out that i do want to play moss 2 i was a big fan of moss i would like to play the sequel to that and a few others so anyway i'll let you guys know when that happens Number nine, one of PlayStation 4's biggest surprises was 2015's Until Dawn, the second party exclusive from British studio Supermassive. Until Dawn is a horror adventure game that plays a lot like a teen movie, and Supermassive went on to make some PSVR fare for Sony before moving on to greener pastures with publisher Bandai Namco, who agreed to fund a staggering eight games in a new annualized horror series called The Dark Pictures Anthology. The anthology, the anthology began in the fall of 2019 with Man of Madon, continued in 2020 with Little Hope, and then in just recent weeks with House of Ashes, and now we have the fourth game announced, The Devil and Me. However, the announcement trailer came with a surprising piece of news at the end. The Devil and Me is the end of the so-called first season of the anthology. Now, it's open to speculation whether the series will continue beyond Game 4 at all, as the games haven't been anything close to critical or commercial hits. Could it be that Bandai Namco intends to get out of this contract, or is this reading too much into it? For what it's worth, Supermassive port ported Tarsier's hit game Little Nightmares 2 to PS5 earlier this year, and studios on solid footing with eight-game deals don't do port work. So I was I was trying to investigate a little bit. I'm like, I don't feel like why would you want to do port work? That's like porting Little Devil, Little Nightmares 2? You have an eight-game deal with a big AAA publisher. You don't need to do that. Or do you? And that's why I'm wondering what's what's going on with this series. Chris, what do you think? Uh, this seems like trouble. Like to me, like my base instinct is that like these are not doing well. I haven't heard anybody really talking about these games. Like this is this is not like bottom line. Like I can't I I don't know anybody who's played these things. Like for real. Like I don't they know. Sell, like none of, uh huh. I was gonna say they sell respectably enough, but I'm with you. Like I don't. I've had a few people earnestly recommend them to me, but it's not like Until Dawn, which was like a phenomenon. I think that's what Bandai Namco was kind of hoping for with like. But it would have been better to just get one great game yeah. than have them do this over and over again. I, I'm being speculative. I just think that there must be an escape clause from that, and that might be it. Although, part of me also says if they're going to exercise the escape clause, why would you even say it? Yeah. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. You just get out. Dustin, what are your thoughts here? It's interesting just in that uh, this one is supposed to be the best one so far. I know that, like, uh, let's see, IGN scored it pretty well at eight out of ten yeah Hero house of ashes is about is about the iraq war isn't it yeah or yeah yeah which is kind of cool yeah this is one i actually want to check out i played uh man of madon and i thought it was not good at all and so but i'm very interested in this concept i mean we the three of us all love until dawn and thought that that was a, a really fantastic game so it's like every time just hoping that uh they get there, right? They get back to that. And so 
I'm uh, I'm curious about House of Ashes. I still want to play it, but I don't know. Supermassive is a, a weird studio to me. I know I mentioned this last time, but those games, those uh, PSVR games they made for Sony were so bad. Bravo, Bravo team, team and the Impatient. Yeah, uh, Bravo Team in particular is just uh, it, <laughs> it was an offensively bad game, and it just uh, you know. God, it's it Bravo sucks to see a studio, team. yeah. Dude, what a terrible name. I can't get over how bad that name is, man. I know. Why do you even bother releasing a game? That's like if, if call it that. That's like if Epic was like, if they called like Gears of War like Delta Squad, you know? It's like, oh my fucking Christ, that's Dude, so bro- sad. The best way for me to describe Bravo Team is that remember when 3D platformers started to come out and every developer had like a different angle on how to do it, and yeah, some like of them Blasto. were just. Yeah, some of them were clearly not right. Like Bubsy 3D, not it. Bravo Team is the example of a VR shooter that it was in its infancy and they're trying to figure out how to do this and Bravo Team is just simply not it. So Yeah, it just seems like they're an, a bit of an inconsistent studio, you know? Like you can't really nail down exactly like where the quality is. Like they have a, a high quality, you know, they have a high quality product to their name, but just feels like they've never really, they've never really hit until dawn again. And it's uh, kind of a shame because it's been a while, you know? All right. I'm interested to see what this next one, well, what you guys think of this next one. This is news that no one's talking about, and I'm really surprised by that. So let's get into it. Team Ninja, the studio best known for the Ninja Gaiden revival games, Dead or Alive, Metroid, Other M, and Neo, quietly announced their new game, according to famed Japanese gaming publication Famitsu. The studio is working with its parent publisher, Koei Tecmo, on a game revolving around the famous Chinese novel Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Now, this is interesting for multiple reasons. First of all, one of Koei Tecmo's all-time biggest franchises is Dynasty Warriors, which is literally based on the subject matter. Although those games from Koei Tecmo-owned studio Omega Force are button-mashing Musou games, which is the total opposite of what Team Ninja makes. Another reason why this is interesting is because Chinese historical and fictional subject matter are otherwise rarely broached in mainstream video games. Finally, it's interesting because the team is also already working with Square Enix on Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin for PS4 and PS5 due out in March of 2022 and just launched Neo 2 exclusively on PS4, PS5 and PC in 2020. It's therefore likely that this is their other game for anyone hoping for a new Ninja Gaiden or Neo. As for Romance of the Three Kingdoms, the 14th century Chinese novel is the most famous Asian literary work of all time and tells the story of Chinese history in the second and third centuries. So... This is interesting because the romance Koei Tecmo has been interested in this for a while. People will remember that there were games literally called Romance of the Three Kingdoms. And when I was a kid, I always thought that those I was like, oh, that's a game series. And then someone when I was in high school, I was like, you freaking stupid. That's a like a famous <laughs> Chinese novel called Romance of the Three Kingdoms. So I was like, oh, so they've been in this space for a while. They just celebrated their 40th anniversary at Koei Tecmo. And so I'm, I wouldn't be a huge surprise that I guess it would be technically the 40th anniversary of Koei because Tecmo is a separate company. But it seems like they've always been involved in historical stuff. And it, and it, it's interesting to bring Team Ninja into the fold with that. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering if that's what anyone wants. And I, I want to go to you eagerly here, Dustin, because I know you're a fan of, you know, some of these games and these types of games, uh, especially from Team Ninja and obviously souls like games. And I'm wondering if what we'll get from them is a serious game in this ecosystem. And if it's so, how will it work? And will it complement Dynasty Warriors? And what I was wondering is, 
are they making Dynasty Warriors? Like, are, is it possible that they're making Dynasty Warriors and it's just going to be, they're going to call it Dynasty Warriors and it's just going to be a different game, you know? Uh, I, that's like what came to mind for me. And I was like, that's kind of genius, actually. But I don't know. What do you think? Right. It's unfortunate in that I feel like they were really hitting a stride, even though Neo and Neo 2 weren't really to my taste, but... I fans of Neo 2 were saying how much significantly better it was in the first one. And they were really kind of uh, when it comes to souls like games, they're really the only ones that were really doing it uh, arguably uh, in, in a competitive way against from right. Like many others have tried, but no one has come really quite close other than Neo, I would say. And so now to see them, you know, they're doing the Final Fantasy game, which from a combat perspective is very Neo-like, but it is also very uh, Nomura, as we've seen in the the things we've seen so far. So it's like, you know, who knows how that game's going to be. But now to see them go and do something with this Romance of the Three Kingdoms, I've actually never heard of this series, and apparently there's 14 romance of the three kingdoms games so who knows maybe this will be a, a new I, reimagining I, I was gonna say i feel like it might go back to like the nes like let's see series. the the first one MSX, was in 1985 like on pc 88 and yeah. amiga yeah and amiga, nes so, too yeah so yeah, so even earlier than that so it's uh because i remember playing them like the, i think early in the ps2 era there were because that was like when koei was like all over the place from software released like 7 million games on ps2 early on and all those kinds of games so there was a lot of stuff coming out at that point but yeah i know i don't know anything about the story i know that the three kingdoms are like the three kingdoms of china during that era and the different interactions with them and apparently just a very well-worn story people like to hear over and over again i, I guess very similar to world war ii or right story of jesus or something that people can just like endlessly here and, and experience mm-hmm. so we'll see how it goes but i don't know i'm uh i'm bummed just because well i'm, I'm not bummed i don't really care i'm just i guess i i, I want to strike that from a record i'm most interested because i feel like this could be a dynasty warriors game like it would be interesting if they released a game called dynasty warriors i, I don't know and i'm not saying they're making a muso i'm saying that they're making their kind of game mm-hmm. right but tying everything together but i don't know that's just speculative number 11 How's this for a random game announcement? The 2018 horror film A Quiet Place, which received a sequel earlier this year, is getting a game set in the same universe. It's important to note that this isn't an adaptation of the film's stories, but rather its own tale, and it's under development by studios Illogica and Epitome, published by none other than Saber Interactive. According to our press release, this is, quote, a new single-player story-driven horror adventure video game, end quote, and is the, quote, first official video game set in the terrifying A Quiet Place universe, end quote. Illogica, located in Canada, is a four-hire team that has worked alongside Ubisoft in the past, but has never led its own project. Same for collaborator Epitome, located in Texas. As for Saber Interactive, the Florida-based entity of more than 1,500 people has been in the Embracer Group family since last year, alongside other publishers like Deep Silver and THQ Nordic. Saber itself owns about a dozen studios, among them Aspire, which is currently working on the timed PlayStation 5 console-exclusive KOTOR remake. Uh, Chris, what do you think of this Quiet Place video game? I actually really dig this IP. I liked this movie a lot. Oh, yeah? Um, and I feel like you and I talked about it when it came out because they're of the things that didn't make sense, as I recall. Like, 
it just doesn't make it doesn't make any sense but i enjoyed it right. i'm wondering uh what you think of a possible game foray into this uh maybe not unlike what bloober did with blair witch yeah i mean i mean i think it, it could work uh you know it's it's always interesting to see like what ip people choose to kind of like bring into either from games to film or from film to games or from television to games or whatever you know i think it's always interesting to see like what are people thinking like what about a quiet place lends itself to a video game i don't know stealth maybe because it's about presumably yeah they, i mean that they that's, don't fight so like no, it, it yeah. has to be all stealth like so it could be it could be interesting like I, i'm i'm interested in the premise of it from a video game perspective i just yeah i I, I didn't love the movie. Like I, I thought about it too much. Like that's a that's a movie you definitely can't think about too hard, you know, because you have these like, you know, they they're attracted to sound, and it's like, are there just no waterfalls or something? Like I feel like they'd all be like, I don't know. It's just like very strange things that like I was just like, all right, oh, you built a a little shelter in your house completely silently. <laughs> you put the sand on the ground so you can walk on it through the woods yeah. i thought the game was i thought the movie was really interesting just because i like the idea of asymmetry like there was no hope yeah it was a it cool was just idea that they, yeah like they it was kind of it reminded me of the road in the sense that it's just it's over and now they have to figure out how to make it work dustin do you have anything to say about this i'm with chris in that i didn't like that movie purely because i thought about it chris you mentioned the waterfall isn't that in the movie where they're like oh we don't have to be quiet because there's a lot of sound around us yet John Krasinski has a all this tech equipment. It's like, dude, just get some speakers, blast music around your camp all day long, and they'll never be able to hear you because all they're gonna hear, you know, you could, you could blast, uh, you know, three eleven, whatever for Colin, like just all day long, all day, every day, and or, then you'll never get yeah. eaten. Yeah, or you and then they'll kill uh, themselves. Well, what <laughs> I was, <laughs> what I was thinking more of was just like, it's so loud there. But they're attracted to sound. Shouldn't that be where they all are? Like, wouldn't that be like the least safe out. place? Yeah, like they, they would waterfall. be like. Well, yeah. I was thinking like uh, I was thinking that they're used to there being noise there, and therefore they just ignore it. Well, then why not just live there? Yeah, I think that's a totally reasonable. It's, it's all just inquiry. like very confusing. It's all very like all right, it's like I I, can't, I I'm thinking about it too much, and you know it's but I think as a stealth game, as a stealth horror game, I think it has a lot of potential. I think that'd be really cool, you know. But Maybe it would be see. like uh, more in the vein of Alien Isolation. Wasn't there yeah. not a lot of combat in the, that game either? No, there, yeah, there, I don't think there was any. I think I think it was. Yeah, I don't remember. I didn't finish that one. Like I played a little bit of it, but like from what I remember, it was like no combat at all. You just like trying to maneuver your way around this place, and it, that was a great example. That was a great use of an IP. Like Alien Isolation is fantastic, especially for like the genre that it is. But I could see it working pretty well. Like why not give it a shot? Yeah, Alien Isolation, I've never played. It was It's a very well-liked game. I don't know why I didn't play it. All right, consolidation continues in number 12 and a surprising bit of news. I promised we would talk about this. Japanese gaming publisher Gung-Ho Online Entertainment has sold off one of its most valuable studios, Grasshopper Manufacture. The studio is now unfortunately under the leadership of Chinese entity NetEase, which has been increasingly aggressive in broaching the console gaming scene. Grasshopper Manufacture, founded in the late 90s in Japan, is best known for a few games including the 2005 GameCube turned PS2 exclusive rail shooter Killer7, one of Wii's biggest third-party games in 2007's No More Heroes and its 2010 sequel, 2012's Lollipop Chainsaw on PS3, and 2013's Killer is Dead also on PS3. The move comes on the back of other similar industry news emanating from elsewhere. For instance, beleaguered Polish entity CD Projekt revealed that it's purchased the studio Molasses Flood, the team behind The Flame and the Flood, 
to work on a game within CD Projekt's IP, while Upstart publisher Focus Home Interactive has acquired French team Dues Dizeme. That means, I think, what does that mean? That means 12 tenths in French. The studio behind the 2020 puzzle, 2020 puzzle title Shady Part of Me, which came to PS4. I think that's right. So nothing really to report here. I'm shocked to see the Molasses Flood become a CD Projekt studio. I don't know if you saw their new logo, but it's a little weird because it's like, their logo with red and it's like a CD project company. And I'm like, what? The oh, weird. Fuck? And then uh, number 13 is a wrap up website. Push square reports. FPS shadow warrior three and Pokemon like RPG monster crown have both been delayed and will now come to PlayStation four at an undetermined point in 2022 while garbage and sewage collecting game stinky company simulator comes to both PS4 and PS5 at an unknown point in the future. The website also reports that recently released anime game demon slayer. The Himokami chronicles has already surpassed a million copies sold on PS4 and PS5. Website Komatsu reports survival horror game Tormented Souls comes to PlayStation 4 early in 2022, with a PS5 version already available as of this past summer. The website also reports that JRPG Tales of Arise has now surpassed 1.5 million copies sold, while Resident Evil Village has surpassed 5 million units sold. The website also notes RPG Digimon Survive, slated for launch on PS4, has been delayed into 2022. And finally, publisher Ubisoft revealed 2019's Ghost Recon Breakpoint is receiving a massive update and level cap increase available now, while the Division 2's upcoming big update has been delayed until February of 2022. That's all the news. Boys, tradition dictates we end every episode of Sacred Symbols with six questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas from the audience on Patreon at patreon.com slash Media. Thank you for supporting us over there for early ad-free access, exclusive access to Sacred Symbols Plus. Get your name in the credits. Uh, so on and so on and so on and so on. Thank you. Ian Savage wrote in and said, Greeting CC and Big Big D. My question is for Dustin but we'll take everyone's input. With rumors circulating that Bluepoint is working on a supposed Bloodborne sequel, I can't help but feel like this is a bad idea, and I'm not sure where this rumor has come from. It's come from me. Colin has said in the past that From Software doesn't necessarily need to develop the sequel, and Sony can have any studio do it. But Miyazaki-san has said himself in the past that he'd be willing to direct, but hasn't gotten the go-ahead from Sony. Yes, Bluepoint has shown competence in their remakes and remasters, but I'm skeptical they could actually deliver on the narrative and environmental design that FromSoft is known for. It might be at risk of a Dark Souls 2 situation. I would love your thoughts. So, Dustin, what do you what do you make of this uh, quote unquote rumor that Bloodborne 2 will come from Bluepoint itself? This is something that I've heard from a reliable source. This source told me about Wolverine before it was re- real um, and I didn't believe them. So now I'm paying attention. That's why I didn't report it. I'm like, they're not making a Wolverine. It's nonsense. And when I saw that, I didn't even think of it. And then the person got in touch with me and like, you remember Wolverine? I was like, ah, fuck. What else do you know? So Dustin, talk to me about what your feelings are here as a big fan of FromSoft, big fan of the Bourne games, the Souls games, I guess you should say. Right. Uh, Bloodborne and all of that. Um, and what the possibility is that they'll leave and go do this at Bluepoint itself. I'm, I'm certainly not worried about it, but I'm not a fan either. Right. So Ian asks if this is a, a bad idea. And the answer is probably i would say in that this game could be bloodborne 2 from uh blue point could be immaculate it could be better than from software's uh bloodborne 2 if that hypothetical right if they both made it but souls fans are very particular about it being the purity i would say and i feel like a lot of fans feel that way about their beloved ip I'm kind of the same way. I am hesitant about the idea of someone outside of From Software making Bloodborne 2, but I will say that 
Blue Point has shown the absolute reverence to source material, that that is something that is very, very important to them. And so that does give me some hope in that they're not going to reveal Bloodborne 2 and a hunter comes out with like a machine gun or something (laughs) like something so incredibly stupid. My ultimate dream for this game is that they can collaborate with from software, particularly what Ian mentions is the environmental and narrative aspects and i would take that a step further and just talk about the art direction which i think that that's something that from software has something like they've got the the sauce the secret sauce for that at least for me i feel like their their environments their their enemy designs their boss designs are so uniquely from software and so I would love to see them collaborate in some way. Maybe it's Blue Point doing most of the heavy lifting and you have Miyazaki write a treatment, write a basic script, and a lot of their art department contributes to this game, something like that. It's probably wishful thinking because uh, I would just see that it would probably just be Blue Point doing it. But I think it's possible it could be good. I, I have to remain optimistic about it i i want to give blue point a chance just because they did such a fantastic job with the demon souls remake that it's only fair uh that i would remain open-minded for this next game too but ultimately i would have rather seen from software make it well we're gonna find out i think and i think it's as simple as money right i think from software is a very expensive to hire studio in fact i couldn't imagine a many more expensive studios to hire than from software and it would just be simpler and easier i also remind you that they might think that a lot of the special sauce from bloodborne came from them not not from uh blue point but from sony itself i mean it was a really guided internally by xdev and it's important to note that xdev has no presence anywhere in japan so that's another reason why they might want to bring the game to the states you know um so we'll see what happens but i'm confident in this in this uh in the source I mean, I'm totally confident in it, considering the source was right about a real right, right. Uh, uh, well, I should say left field sort of prediction that I certainly would have never made. Chris, yeah. this next one I want to throw at you. We discussed this a little bit, but I'm curious what you think about the question late Nate poses more specifically. He says, hey, D, giving it to a pair of C's. I want to ask if you think there is a possibility that Xbox dominates the conversation this holiday for the first time in a generation. Xbox has Halo Infinite and Forza Horizon 5 coming out for the holidays this year. Arguably the two biggest games coming out in this period. PlayStation has essentially nothing exclusive from this period of time, thanks to them having to delay games like Horizon Forbidden West, leaving them to run on brand power alone. Of course, third-party games as well. Now, Chris, I'm, I'm really curious what your take is on this, because I would argue that that three-week period, Horizon, or Forza, rather, comes out, and then a few weeks later, Halo comes out, is the biggest one-two punch that Xbox has had in two generations and Mm -hmm. I don't recall there having been a holiday dominated by Xbox conversation in he says a generation I would say more like 10 years so I'm curious what you what you make of that yeah I I mean I think it's I think it's very likely Uh, I I mean only just because this it's it's really just math at this point it's like the PlayStation doesn't have anything right now and Microsoft has two 
really important titles launching, one of which is going to be free to play and on every currently supported Xbox platform and PC simultaneously. It's going to be a it's going to be a big thing that is going to dominate the conversation for sure. Um, Forza a little bit, probably a little bit less, uh, although not for lack of quality, but just because I don't I don't know if Forza is as big in the gaming conversation so much as it is with just the audience of people who happen to like those types of racing games. Like I know a lot of people who like racing games who like who really love Forza, but they're not necessarily like in tune with like the conversation on the Internet. They don't know like like you they wouldn't be able to tell you who like uh, Lionhead or like what Lionhead was or like, you know, like these old Xbox studios or they might not even know about Halo really. But they know Forza really, really intimately, and it's going to be a huge splash, no doubt. What's interesting is that Halo is going to be dominating around like a we- weird time because Halo is coming in December, which is like kind of Christmas season. So it's always going, almost going to feel like a Christmas game, which is like very bizarre. Like that's never really been that that the, in in the style of that series. So it's going to be interesting. But I I do think this is definitely the best fall that Xbox has had in a very long time like I, w- I would say yeah over 10 years i can't remember the last time the fruits of their labor are starting to come out and i'm really pulling for them i mean i, I think it's important that these games are good and yeah i think if they're not i think it's bad news for them i mean i mm-hmm. think they'll be fine but i think coming out strong supporting game pass with some powerful games although like you said halo multiplayer would be free to play but the the um the single player campaign Mm-hmm. And and just being able to kind of support that service with some high quality games, people can buy them a la carte as well and just have something to show. Yeah. And by the way, like we were saying, at, at a quiet time for their competition, because Nintendo doesn't have anything either, by the way. So yeah. it's That's like, true. you know, so I, I'm, I'm curious to see how they can leverage this moment in time. And I think it's going to be very good for them. And I would imagine December or January would I, I wouldn't be surprised if Xbox was the best selling console for the month in the United States. Interesting. Connor Campbell wrote in and said, Hey CDC, what in your opinion is the best meal or snack for gaming? A pizza is the classic, but do you need to wipe your hands after handing a slice to prevent a greasy controller? Similar issue with chocolate snacks. I myself say, fuck it and tuck into a British staple, the Jaffa cake. Interested to hear what you guys often find yourselves throwing down your gullet or what you consider to be heinous. I mean, I think this is a trick question, Chris, because um, eating while gaming is heinous. Generally, I would feel like, isn't that, is this not a trick question? Uh, I don't know. Like, it depends on, I think, what it is. Like, obviously, you're not going to... I wouldn't eat, like, a burger, <laughs> you know? <laughs> or, like, a... Or, like, a... I don't know. Like, what uh, What was it that this guy... He said something like, oh, a pizza. A pizza, yeah. Like, that seems a little messy to me. Like, I love pizza, but, like, no way in hell am I having pizza while I'm playing video games. If I'm... If I order a pizza and I'm playing video games, I stop playing video games and I, I eat my pizza. Or I, like, watch something. Like, I can't, I can't imagine eating something like that. But, like, while you're gaming or while you're playing video games, like, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you want to snack on something a little bit. It's important you get something not not greasy, something that doesn't, like, uh, leave residue. You don't want, like, Doritos or, like, Cheetos or something like that. You want something a little bit more streamlined. For me, I always go for, like, goldfish. You know, like goldfish are like such a good cracker to me. Like I hate I, Cheez-Its is like a bit too much. It's like mm. we get it. You're cheese. Right. But right. like uh, goldfish is mm. just this really nice. It's like, yeah, 
like they're so small you can bite them in half like vertically and like have like two it's like it's like a really weird thing you nibble yeah you nibble on them and like they're not all over your hands and like what little salt is there it's just and then it's you're fine again your controller's not going to be disgusting i've always had a problem going to friends houses or like going to people's houses and the controller is just in a state of complete abject disarray and you're just like why what have you done gross what have you done with this thing like you could tell they never did the uh like the uh the envelope oh, like a pin oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah the yeah, envelope thing in the yeah. corners of the, the controllers sure. and it's just like this black rim and it's like bro just basic i i, I haven't had a controller look like that ever because i'm always like maybe it's an ocd thing or like some weird thing where i just like finic like i mess around with my controllers all the time but i have a real problem with people with dirty controllers like i can't i cannot abide by it i like well the the um the white controllers for dual sense are the first time where i'm noticing like just the 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 hint of dirt you know on the back and i'm like i'm always washing my hands i'm pretty persnickety yeah like, man where's this dirt coming from this is grossing me out yeah and even when you but try then to i think about it, my old controllers that just weren't showing it you know i'm sorry go ahead no but even no i, I interrupted you but like i mean even when you're trying to clean it it's a it's a bitch to clean too like i got yeah, I, 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 I got i got a black one <laughs> Yeah, I, I got to use alcohol wipes. I mean, that was the one thing from dating a nurse for so long back. You know, my ex-girlfriend is mm. she used to just have pockets full of alcohol wipes when she would come home and I would just start like rubbing it on, you know, them on like the keyboard and just everything just coming out your remote control, the handle on the fridge. Like, oh, I'm like, oh, my God, I would just be like doing it for hours sometimes. Dude, and the uh, the original launch 360 controller, the white one. That thing attracted dirt like crazy. It, like you had that thing for like a year and it looked like it was in someone's asshole. Like no doubt. Like you had yeah. to clean that thing regularly. But Maybe it wasn't someone's asshole. You never know. You never you, but, you're, know. but you seemed you seem to understand what my point that it was. I felt like this was a trick question. Yeah. That's no, I, I I will specifically like I'll think I want to play a game, but I'm I need to eat a snack first or, you know, a sandwich or whatever. So I will watch something on youtube for 10 minutes while i eat and then play a game for me it's all about the drinks while you game like i love uh getting some fresh hot coffee uh not not the hot coffee mod Mod, or whatever but some actual hot coffee Uh, a a nice cold beer when you game maybe at nighttime is also fantastic i used to like bourbon when i would game too because it doesn't you're not like you know just quickly pick it up put it down yeah I actually, I mean, uh, I have, I feel like I have drinks all, I mean, I'm always double fisting it for, uh, for sacred symbols. I'm, Ooh. I'm out of both already, but yeah, I'm all about the drinks. No eating. You know, what are you supposed to do? Like stop and, and take a bite. I just don't think people do. I think there are literal degenerate, disgusting people out there that are just have a hand in a fucking Doritos bag and then they put their hand back. <laughs> on the oh. They don't care. It's Dude, not I mean, they that, don't, there look. are people that don't care. <laughs> there are. It's not that big of a deal, like some because like in like Destiny Two, like sometimes when I would I would play Destiny Two and I'd be like eating like uh something like you you die and then you'd be like God damn it and you'd like go into your inventory or whatever and you're like looking through it and you're just like let me get like a, a bit of bit of goldfish in there it's like all right I'm gonna do this now the, the, you definitely can't like you can't sit there and dig your hands into a fucking lasagna like a like a like a sickly animal <laughs> like you know? a good like Italian a boy yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see here. What do we have now? Oh, Bruno Giuseppe Moretto, very observant. I've been meaning to talk about this for a while. He says, hey, guys, with Apple Music now hitting the PS5 and being the first console to have it, 
Also, not too long ago, the promotion to have six free months of Apple TV Plus if you sign up through PS5. Do you guys think there's more behind this? Could this actually mean that there will be more Apple and PlayStation partnerships in the future, especially with Sony growing interested in the mobile space? Love you guys. Your work. You're all killing it, especially with Sacred Symbols Plus having so many awesome interviews lately. All the best from Brazil. Brazil. Thank you, Bruno, for writing in. I've noticed this. I'm curious. Chris, have you noticed this at all that Sony has been talking about Apple a lot on PlayStation's Twitter account on PlayStation blog over the last month or so they've been pushing this weird Apple TV thing they they did like a post about a show from Apple and then now this thing is coming out with uh, yeah. Apple Music coming to PS5 something's up right yeah I mean it's definitely indication at the very least it's an indication of a really good relationship I mean it doesn't necessarily point to any like uh, real exclusivity necessarily like we've had studios do this with other or like uh, we've had this type of integration before with not really much fanfare afterwards but i do think it's highly suspicious that they seem to be publicly mentioning each other so much or like uh the fact that it's included uh with uh, what what is it the promo what's the promotion again it's like six free it's yeah you got like six free months? months if you sign up with your playstation 5 that's and pretty crazy did- and then they did a, a post or two about like one of the shows that they have on there. I was like weird. I, w- I didn't even I stopped reading it because I'm like, what? What is this? Yeah. You know, like, what? What? The, but <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, the, the six free months thing is crazy because like six months is like a lot for subscriptions. Definitely. You know, like that's like a lot of money just left on the table, especially if it's reaching like everybody was a PS5. That's like potentially like millions of dollars. Just like just gone kind of. That's a long period. That's a long grace period, especially for Apple TV, which I feel like doesn't really have much content. Like, I can't even imagine. I I don't know necessarily, but I can't recall the last time I heard about like a show that everybody was talking about that was exclusive to Apple TV. Yeah, it's like Ted Lasso is probably the biggest one, right? Still. Yeah. What is that? That's like it's a show about like a football coach that goes to the UK and becomes like a soccer coach. Oh, I I I, but I've it's supposed never to be, even it's supposed to be it. like really good. I don't know what that's all right, about. Right, but they, but they, they don't have like a man in the high castle or, or like a right. Squid oh, game. no. Oh, my like, God. I wish they did. The, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt. I was going to say the show they seem to be pushing is Foundation. And there's mm. actually posts on I'm look. I just looked it up. There's posts on PlayStation Black. And actually, when I first saw that and I was like, David, it says David Goyer on adapting Foundation for Apple TV. You know, what came to mind for me. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, oh, it's a control TV show or something. Oh, yeah. Like, I wasn't even <laughs> thinking twice about it. Right. And then. So anyway, I don't we don't really know what's happening here. But but uh, Dustin, I, I'm curious what you think about it, because this seems to be an enemy of my enemy is my of my, is my friend thing for um, for Apple. Apple and Microsoft notoriously don't like each other. Yeah. Going way back 40 years. So now they've obviously worked with each other many times, but I think they would like not to. And I so I feel like this has nothing to do with PlayStation. It has a lot to do with them not being Xbox. Yeah, I don't personally think this means anything just because we've seen a shift in apple over the past really year and a half two years where i think apple is starting to understand that they need to get their core services out of just their products and we've seen this specifically where for years if you had the amazon assistant uh devices you could not use apple music on it you had to use amazon music And it wasn't until recently that Apple allowed you to connect that account to that. In addition, if you wanted to rent stuff from Apple, like a movie from Apple, you had to own an Apple TV. It wasn't until recently, like I said, the past year and a half, two years that 
the Apple TV app has started to appear across devices, whether it's smart TVs or consoles. And so I think this is Apple just thinking like PlayStation 5 is huge. It's the the biggest console right now. Let's let people know that Apple TV Plus is an option. Apple Music is also an option. They're really just trying to, like I said, separate themselves to let people know, like, you don't need to have an iPhone to have Apple Music anymore. You can get Apple Music on your Android phone. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It could be something more. But my my bet is that it's mostly just Apple wanting to uh, get more subscriptions for their services. Good insight. Proper David wrote in and said, hey, CDC, I've been thinking about how uh, recently, I'm sorry, about how PlayStation and Xbox fit into the product versus platform dynamic. In a product model, companies create value by developing differentiated products for specific customer needs and charge money for those products. In a platform business model, companies create value by connecting users and third parties, and they charge fees for access to the platform. Products versus platforms is a spectrum, but Sony seems to be more of a fu- more of a future in selling products, while Xbox seeks to be the dominant platform. Companies can be successful with either model. Think Apple and Amazon. But do you think the gaming industry will converge on one model or the other? Thanks for all you do and keep porking that poultry. Dustin, let's stay with you first on this. I think this is a question we're going to have to confront a lot more moving forward, which is. Can we have a viable model in which PlayStation does a la carte only and Xbox does subscription only or does because that's what they want in an ideal world. Sony would say like no subscriptions ever. And Microsoft would say like only subscriptions. And I don't see a situation where they can both win because similar to what we were talking about earlier, I feel like this has a deleterious effect or at least a pulling effect on everyone else because with the two biggest platform holders refusing or not, let's say doing only one or only the other. Like if I were a third party, I would very quietly be pushing for Sony to win like very much so because there's way more money and security in that as opposed to the way Microsoft is trying to do things which is why I'm kind of a little surprised why more companies aren't overtly just giving shit to Sony to say, like, we should try to kill this, you know, like now in the crib before it removes all of our profit margins. So what do you think about this uh, question for proper David about platform versus product? And if both can be successful here, when we look at the not the same, but comparable mediums of music and TV movies, right? Very different products, but we they're kind of lumped into that digital category. I feel like the rise of the subscription music service and the subscription uh, platforms like Netflix, Hulu, or whatever, both of those were born somewhat out of a necessity to fight piracy, right? People were downloading music like crazy. Um, And obviously, it's still a problem, but I think that a lot of people that maybe were pirating music were like, oh, well, I could go through the hassle of using torrents and uploading it, putting it on my phone or whatever, or I could just sign up for this $10 subscription and get literally everything at the click of a button. And it's the same case with Netflix and Hulu and other services, or at least used to be when it was more when there were less services around that why go through the hassle and the league, the the risk of doing something illegal uh, in order to get these products when you could just sign up for a service. Video game piracy is a problem, but when it comes to these new platforms like PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, it's currently 
I don't think a big issue. In fact, I don't think that there's a way that you can pirate PS5 games or Xbox games at the moment. Switch is a little bit of a different story because of how it's been hacked, but eventually I guess it will be broken open. But that's kind of the thing that I've been thinking is that it's like they don't need to surrender to the subscription plat- uh, model yet. Um, Xbox went and did that because may- they needed that shot in the arm when they were hurting very badly. So I really don't have an answer on uh, which one I think will prevail, but I just wanted to provide the insight on why the streaming platforms and the subscription platform for other industries have worked out of a necessity to fight people stealing. Sure. And I just don't see that that's a big problem uh, yet. Um, and maybe it will be at some point, but as of right now, it's, it doesn't seem to be an issue. Yeah, that's good insight. I, I think, and I'm curious to bring you in on this, Chris, I, I feel like you were saying you didn't know, Dustin, who would win. I mean, I'm, I have a good feeling that subscription service is going to win. I just think Sony doesn't want that to happen. And I, I think we might be upset about what that what happens as a result. I think a lot of people, for instance, if you're into music and you guys are, my personal opinion is that albums feel less complete today. They're shorter. All like there were some sort of deleterious effect on the way we stopped consuming music by album and started consuming them by song, by single. That happened back in the eight track and cassette tape era. Of course, record you can buy record singles, but I feel like there were some effects and we don't we're used to it now, but we might not necessarily like what it is if we knew there was an alternative. And if that makes any sense, I feel like that might be the future we find ourselves in with games, wherein we do have PS Now and Game Pass and all these things. But we're like, man, remember the a la carte days when you could like really buy a game? <laughs> and I, I, I'm I'm bummed that that might be what happens, although I'm, I'm confident that that will end up happening. And, and part of the reason I'm confident in it, Chris, is because companies like um, most recently 2K earlier in the year, Square Enix are giving new games to Game Pass, which hurts them. I know it's a short term gain and they probably make money on it, but it hurts their viable, their business model. So and then it, and then it creates numbers like where Turtle Rock was saying six million people have played back for blood. And it's like, who cares, dude? I have no idea how many people like it's a subscription. It's a subscription game. That doesn't tell us anything. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's all muddied now. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it <clears throat> I think it makes things a little bit more complicated. I think it uh, I think we uh, have a tendency to kind of yearn for simplicity like uh, it was a lot more simple when you could just be like how much did this game sell you know like and just kind of immediately understand it but it's a little bit more nebulous now like there are a lot of different avenues to to playing the same title there are so many different storefronts there's so many different subscription services and it can be a little bit overwhelming a little bit muddy a little bit infuriating to deal with but i also think that there is just kind of an inevitability of convenience that technologically uh that technology it kind of inherently instills to the point where like yeah it might be better to have a la carte albums the way we used to uh with like songs that led into each other you know because they they were they were meant to be listened to as a whole in like an album as opposed to like, you know, a single here and a single there. And people are like finding them on like Spotify playlists or like, like playing albums on shuffle. So, you know, I think that does have some deleterious effect, but at the same time, I have found so much more music today 
than I ever probably would have if we were still in that old system. And I've seen so many, like even just on Netflix and like all these like television platforms that have gone into the streaming service uh, as well. Like television was not doing super hot, you know, like it wasn't doing so like we had, you had Breaking Bad and you had like some things that were like really, really fantastic. But on the on the whole, man, it got really bad. And you could argue that like some of what we saw on cable before a lot of these streaming services were not too different than the deleterious effect you would assume would happen because of them. You have like the 50th NCIS show, you know, you have like uh, like clone show, clone show, clone show, like, oh, here's like season fucking 79 of like the Wendy Williams show. And it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> like what is going on? But then you have Netflix come into the game and then you have like you have Stranger Things and then you have, right. you know, all of these like really interesting things that probably wouldn't have existed. You you, you have stuff like Squid Game, like a, a Korean show that would have never like I, I can't I can't recall the last time like before streaming services that a show like that was big. And I don't think really that ever happened. It, it requires this kind of, you know. I feel like it requires this system to work. So I, I do think there will be aspects of the old way that we did things that will always be a little bit more fonder in our memories and a little bit a little bit sweeter to think about, like a, a simpler time when things were a lot more complete and coherent and cohesive. But at the same time, I do think the value proposition uh, that is being made here is that <clears throat> we have higher quality stuff than we had before and more varied stuff than we ever had before. And that's always likely to change, you know, when maybe, you know, we see things bleeding into each other. We see Ubisoft models and free-to-play models kind of muddying the water a little bit on that front. But I don't think anybody, you know, I, I don't know really what you can say about it other than this is the way all media was always going to go. And you can fight it, or you can learn the best way with which to deliver quality stuff uh, and quality products through it. And I think that's a better that's a better way of going about it than just pretending like it's just not going to happen because it is. It's happened to every other medium so far, and even books, dude. You can download books Audible, like you can download books on a on a subscription. It's not like Donald so, Trump there for a minute. <laughs> books. No, I, I, I just um, download books. I, uh, I don't know. I, I think I'm we just need to. The best. I'm told these are the best books. <laughs> these are the best books in the whole world. <laughs> I don't know. I've probably well, rambled like a lot. No, I think it's good. It's good. I, I think this is really good insight, and you're probably right. That's why I just feel like things. Unfortunately, <clears throat> technology trends towards not only corporate monopolization, but stylistic monopolization. You even think about things like the GUI and how like Windows and Macintosh will look the same and still look the same. Like it doesn't yeah. even matter. At, at some point, like people just reduce to what works. Yeah, and... Every, everybody's everybody's phones right. are basically the same thing, even though right. like even though they're like, oh, you, you got a Pixel or an Android or an iPhone. It's like it doesn't matter. It's the same shit. Yeah, the but... kernel is different, but what you're seeing is really no, no different. So I think you're probably right. I think that's very prescient. And we'll yeah, see. And I do think we're in a weird spot too where like technology is getting to a point where like we're gonna have to make some really uncomfortable decisions where like because there's no doubt that robots and ai are probably going to like be a massive thing that's gonna cut a lot of jobs and uh, then we're yeah, gonna have agree. to and then we're gonna totally have to agree. be like what do we do when there's a lot of people to work but no jobs for those people this is when we go to war with the robots this is what this is the water wars hmm. yeah, the water war that's right 
Alan Olson has the final inquiry. He said, and this is kind of parallel to what we were talking about earlier with uh, mascot brawlers. He was saying, hey, fellas, long time, first time. My question is simple. With Sony throwing out a kart racer during its newest state of play, did they miss an opportunity to try a character based racer like Mario Kart? I feel like they could have done something with that since there aren't many, many kart racers out there. Thanks for all the content, boys. Stay healthy and keep effing the F out of that chicken. Man, you guys are fucking gross. All right. So, uh, Alan, thank you for writing in. Now, it's interesting because Sony has tried kart racers twice and as exclusives. This new kart racer from Nexon, not an exclusive. But they had Mod Nation racers and then they had Little Big Planet Karting. They both came from the same studio. Doesn't exist anymore. We talked about them last week. United Front Games. And I think the problem with those games, first of all, people might remember Mod Nation Racers was not very good. Like it had horrible load times and, and it was just not great. And then a little big Planet Carding just came out during that era where they were just releasing things and weren't even talking about them. But I don't know that it's kart racing, Chris, that is necessarily what's most interesting here. But the idea of finding a different way to leverage your your licenses in some sort of team based thing where people can select just like golf, Mario golf, Mario tennis, like Sony needs to find that. And I don't know like what it is, but I think we always say like, Oh, it's a fighting game. And I'm like, no, it doesn't have to be. I just think we have to be clever enough to know what else it could be. So could it be a kart racer? Uh, no, (laughs) I don't think I don't know. I, 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 kart racers are fun. Like I love kart racers. Crashing racing is like one of my favorite, favorite video games of all time. I think it's like a superb game mechanically speaking, but you know, even even in my opinion, when I look at like Nintendo's roster, like I don't really think of Mario Kart at all. Like it exists there and it's like it's real and people love it. But I think of like I think of Mario Party and Smash Brothers and like, you know, just the mainline Mario games and the mainline Zelda games way, way, way before I think of Mario Kart. And I I don't know if that's reflected in the sales. I actually don't know how how much how oh, well Mario Kart is. I'm sure it's huge. I think it sold like 30 million units. I think the newest one. Yeah, something like that. But then you have Animal Crossing that's like like insane. You know, like, and I, I don't know if the best thing you can do is copy other things. You know, I think the best thing to do is like evaluate where you're strong, and evaluate where you're weak, and do your best to kind of, um, you know, allocate resources to those areas that need strengthening without sacrificing that which makes your your title strong. And I th- I don't think you need to have like a kart racer or like a character platformer fighter. I think you just need a really solid game. And I, I and I think we've had that with like God of War and stuff, but like even with God of War, man, like even even these like big releases, we have these like little things. Like why is the UI so stupid? Like why like oh, why is the open world so confusingly like awkward and and like, you know, it's I, I don't know what the answer is, but it's it doesn't have to be a car racer. And they also just miss the boat entirely when they just let uncarded just sit there and, and not do anything. How do you not do uncarded? Yeah, it is. It is How, that is so infuriating to me. I they agree. Didn't just do because that. Naughty, yeah, it's just Naughty Dog made two of their own before that two of their yeah. own car racers. But um, Dustin, do you think that that car racing can be an interesting way into uh, metaverse type situation with Sony? Uh, well, as far as a, a crossover one, I just don't, I don't know if Sony crossovers, I guess I should say crossover. You're uh, right. It, yes. They're not. A yeah, well, no, they, I, I guess they would be a shared universe, but yeah, I understand the, the difference. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess Nintendo gets away with all kinds of characters of many different styles in uh smash, but I feel like with a, a 
kart racer. I just, I don't know. I don't want to see Kratos driving anything ever. Uh, I'm good without him doing that. <laughs> uh, it's already bad enough. He's in Fortnite. He can drive a car there, I guess. Uh, my thing with kart racers overall is just that I think that Mario Kart and Crash Team Racing are like the the top tier. They're so good and for different reasons that almost like making something that's similar is going to be really, really difficult if you don't at least match or come close to those. Because I've played other kart racers was like, yeah, this isn't good. It doesn't feel as good as Mario Kart or Crash Team Racing. It just doesn't. So why would I play this as opposed to a different kart yeah. racer? Is that's usually I mean, man, I play I feel like there's so many bad oh, car racers, yeah. like just <laughs> infinite bad ones. And then there's there's Mario Kart and then there's Crash Team Racing, and that's kind of that's kind of it. So I would rather see something else. All right. Well, thank you for writing in Alan for the thought provoking question. And that was that's all we have for this episode. Great episode, Sacred Symbols. Uh Chris, you have any closing comments before we go? Uh no, I just uh I, I still I I, I, I'm, I just want to express again like how sad I am about Uncarded and also The Fast of Us like you really missed a, a massive opportunity with that like mm. it's just a shame well, we could have had enough. everything and we now we have we, this and we have nothing uh, Dustin closing comments my throat hurt a little bit this Uh-oh. morning and before we started recording and throughout this this last three hours it's just gotten worse so uh, hopefully I, I don't I mean, I don't feel like I have a fever, but definitely feel like I'm coming down with something. I'm going to blame it on uh, spending time with you guys or maybe the I don't know. I don't know what's I'm going on. I'm a little on, sick, but... so you might have caught it from me through the uh, through the Internet. Oh, yeah, it could yeah. be. Um, so, yeah, hopefully I'm still here next week. Well, we hope that as well. Uh, thank you all out there for your love, kindness and support of our show sacred symbols and all things last stand media remember to support us on patreon patreon.com slash last stand media you can buy merch including our new merch at laststandmedia.shop follow us on youtube subscribe to us on podcast services etc thank you so much for your love kindness and support of our show and we'll see you next time until then goodbye see ya take care guys sacred symbols a playstation podcast is a product and trademark of last stand media and collins last stand llc and is proudly recorded in the usa The show is conceived by, is written by, and is directed by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-hosts are Chris Raygun Maldonado and Dustin Furman. The show is produced by executive producer Dustin Furman. It's edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by my best friend, Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand's shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer level on Patreon, our highest tier, and we're grateful for your thoughtful and kind contributions to our independent endeavor. Thank you. Andrew Morgan, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Jerome Ferreira, SLVFMA, Jorge Palomino, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Tom Quinn, Sorta Serious Gaming, Unofficial Controller Podcast, Colin Farley, Zia Parix, Henry Groth, Joshua, Relentless Rex, Troy Miller, Meyer Katz, Jordan Mittman, J.A. Zhu, Tristan Palacios, Drew Mullen, Graham Plays, Christian R., Jad Rita, Kurt M. Gillenberg, Patrick Skipper, Sweaty Mitt, Chris Kelly, Dustin Graff, Peyton Stone, Roberto, Nick R., Josh Hallen Rui, Tyler Watkins, 
Troilus True, Dan Root, Talisman, Christopher, Randall Halsey, Bobby Nauman, Nuke Dukum, Jim Bob, 56, William Holbert, Dr. Stump, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Souza, Vornak, Betty Ann Moriarty, Daniel Johnson, H. Trons, Jordan Peterson's Fat Hog, Ethan Davies, Jay Getter, Manuel Ochoa, Bjorn Campbell, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Galja of Fortuna, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Saul Balcazar, Brian White, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Alex Bolton, Matt Martin, Kinnams, Joseph Baker, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Caswell, Anti Kinnanen, Chris, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ali Fritz, Zach Allen, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Christopher, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., David Bostick, Stewie 108, Patrick Montgomery, D.B. Cooper, Cody Bradbury, Tom Cargill, Richter 86, Steve Hodge, Holfeldian, Ian Bravo, Barrett Boswell, Andrew Parker, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Kevin Komaki, Johnny Waffles, Roto 24, Jonathan Coach, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Organic Produce, Shane St. Pierre, Carlos Algorit, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Josh Yeager, Martin Beck, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lou and Ray Loper, Jonathan Cortez, Dylan Burns, Jason Lusky, Malachi Wall, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Anton K., Brian W. Rath, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershall, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, James Kinsler III, Will Caldwell, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, William O'Carroll, Jesper Jansen, Max Cannon, Phil Crowen, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, Petro Rose, Lockmore, Gio Corsi, Joey Gondhaliker, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, David Iacolucci, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Spencer Brand, Don Lee, John Cordero, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Carson Peterson, Ryan Greenwood, Tyler Harris, Matthew Purdue, Patrick Harper, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.